This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. Hello you numpties, this is the villain, Marty Skell, and you're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. <laughs> you're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling, with your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 199. My name is Nick Howell. (laughs) And genuinely curious, how many riddles would Matt Riddle riddle if Matt Riddle could riddle a riddle? I am Surrey and Dangerous and welcome to the show. And Nick, we had another big week of the graps. We've got to talk about it all. Cody got slapped with his own belt. We had another match made for NXT TakeOver Portland. And SmackDown, well, SmackDown was SmackDown. But we'll talk about that in a second, man. Welcome back to the United States. Last week, Nick was in London and... uh, (laughs) It was it was interesting. You were you were not entirely yourself. I think because you had done already six hours of podcasting before uh, you came on this show. Not just podcasting, live streaming with all oh. of my executives at my employer. <laughs> no pressure, right? No, oh no, no. That sounds easy as pie. Fun story. Uh, uh, because everything runs on two hundred and forty volt over in England. Uh, about fi- you have to check all the little plugs, the transformers on the things that make sure they say 100 to 240 volt. And I double and triple checked everything except for the brand new Netgear switch that I got that connected all of the audio equipment and the live feed to go out to the thing. So we're at the end of the keynote where we're going to kick over to us and the switch. You smell burning electrical. The thing oh. that a mechanical engineer never wants to smell. Five, no, five yeah. minutes to go right before we go live. Luckily, we found another plug, plugged it in, rebooted everything, sat down, put the headset on, and pushed start Yikes. streaming as the doors busted open and the people are pouring out. Go, welcome to London, folks. <laughs> I mean, you talk about the ultimate sphincter moment. We've had several of them here. Well, uh, I mean, but, I was about to say we had we had a big one when we started our show over there right. too. <laughs> things just didn't didn't go. Okay, we can't hear Nick. What? <laughs> if you'd like to but, see that go down, in case you, uh, I did leave it on the YouTube video so that if oh I oh no, did you? If I oh, snip that off, it kills the chat for the whole thing. So I figured it'd be a fun little Easter egg for those people on YouTube. Go check it out if you guys have just listened to the audio podcast. It was a lot of fun. One of those stupid idiot checkbox moments. Something that I overlooked. Uh, but yeah, I had to basically duplicate this entire rig setup with two laptops, and we pulled it Eesh. off. 
Oh, yeah, we, we did. Up. But you know what, Nick? While you're talking about our YouTube channel, let's do our little housekeeping and then we yes. get into the show. Absolutely, guys. Come over and join us on YouTube. That is the place to be. If you're listening to this right now on your audio app of cho- or podcast app of choice, you're missing out on a lot of fun, a little bit of uh, exclusive fun, because we do live stream this stuff to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash open. Come over, subscribe to the channel. We are on that race to 1,000 subscribers, getting really close to that halfway mark. As soon as we get there, it's like all the special whiz-bangs unlock. So make sure, even if you can't join us on the stream, make sure you come over and get subscribed. That way it helps us move things forward. And we can move the show forward uh, with some new features and functionality on the tubes of you. Come over and join us on Facebook as well. Just search on Facebook for Busted Wide Open. Uh, like our page and send us a join request to get into the discussion group with the rest of the phenomenal ones. Uh, that's where the place to be to get all kinds of news. We filter it to make sure it's all legit stuff for the most part. Uh, we've actually put a ban on ringside news uh, in the group, and news. there's several others that I've kind of got my uh, raised eyebrow on over there. So <laughs> keeping an eye on those, fun memes, all kinds of good stuff. And you'll find links to our Discord server, which is where the live chats happen all throughout the week. You want to make sure you get into Discord because that is where the fun happens. It's almost like BWO Underground in a way. All the live chats are happening across all the different shows throughout the week, as well as dedicated channels such as next weekend's takeover event that's going to be going on, as well as the AEW Revolution show that we have upcoming. All kinds of good stuff, Discord, Facebook, also on Twitter and Instagram, at BWO Podcast. You can find all these links and more over at BWOPodcast.com with one little source right there. But last and certainly not least, our patrons. Guys, you guys rock. Mm. Thank you very much for all your support. Uh, I hope you're enjoying all your perks. Nick Booking 2.0 is 96% done. It's, it's right there. And I'm hoping that I have tonight staying up late waiting for New Japan. Suzuki Moxley to come on. I'll have some time <sighs> to polish that off, and we can get that done for you guys next week. Fingers crossed. Um mm. But yeah, to get in on some of those exclusives, patreon.com slash BWO. Get access to the show notes for every single episode. The ability to ask listener questions on our new patron mailbag series. Well, it's not new anymore. We've got 18 episodes. Our, today will be our 18th episode. So thank you to all, your, all the patrons for getting those in. Uh, Skype calls, all kinds of exclusives all over at patreon.com slash BWO. But Ian... The Saturday show is our big show. Strap in, folks. We got a lot to talk about, but we're going to kick things off with All Elite Wrestling. Well, Cody finally ate the 10 lashes that he had to get from MJF as a stipulation in order to get his match with the man. This was Uh, very uncomfortable for me. Really? Yeah. You got like a history of getting whipped with a belt or something? Yes. That's a different podcast, though, that we're not going to talk about. (laughs) Yes. I don't want to know what you and your lady get up to. Uh, But here, in this this particular instance, uh, MJF actually took Cody's own belt. He was lucky his pants didn't fall down and uh, decided that he was going to whip him with that. In order to add to the drama, this wasn't just like whip, 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 whip. It was smack, and then let's have drama for about five minutes, and then another one, and then drama for about five minutes, and selling, and people coming out. Uh, this was booked almost like a match, man, where they like, they, they had things like happening at certain times. All right. When he takes three lashes, the inner circle is going to, or the, you know, yeah, the rest of the, um, guys are aligned with MJF are going to come out, you know, uh, butcher and blade and the bunny, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, at five lashes, uh, Dustin will come out and say, no, I'll take the rest for you. Uh, Arn Anderson is going to come out and, and get lend moral support. 
the Young Bucks. He's going to take two back-to-back, bam, bam, and then the Young Bucks are going to come out because there's two of them. He took two lashes. I don't know. But it was a whole lot of selling here, Nick. Cody uh, selling his ass off for this. And uh, you're not the only person that's been been smacked with the belt. Um, I can openly admit that when I was young and stupid and watching wrestling, like we used to do hardcore spots to each other, whether it was with a, a, a wire coat hanger or a belt or a chair or whatever. We were hitting each other with things, and I've been hit with a belt in my day. It sucks, but it does not suck anywhere nearly as much as Cody made it out to suck. It really, like... At a certain point, I was like, suck it up, you baby. Jesus. Like, was this too, like, much over-the-top drama and selling for you? Or was this, like, just what you wanted out of this whole segment? Uh, no, it was not too much. It's it's kind of exactly what I wanted. And I'm glad they did a little. They took it. They turned it up to 11. I thought they would go, like, 8 or 9. <laughs> sure and they just did. did I, I think the drama of Arn coming out, the drama of Dustin finally coming out, the, the locker room basically emptying, coming out in support. You could make some metaphorical kind of uh, allegory to Jesus figure and stuff like that and him sacrificing for everyone and all that. Uh, you could loosely get to some of that, and I've read some of that online as well. But I, I think the drama of this is what made it, not Cody getting the lashings. And I think it, I think it was done and executed fantastically. It was the thing that we all tuned in this week to see frankly, and because last week was just kind of there, nothing really happened, and this week it was the big thing was the Cody taking the lashings. We've still got the steel cage with Wardlow to look forward to, but yep. is Cody going to break? Is he going to break down and hit uh, MJF, MJF yeah. as soon as he lashes him that first time? All of that drama, and then everybody coming out, it just, I, I just yes, popcorn, just eating, the, yeah. eating it up. I loved it. So, the part that I loved about this was, and was the very end. And I, I liked the Brandy coming down, you know, the supportive wife. She's after, after lash nine, Brandy comes out and he's like, I don't know if I can take 10. He's down on his knees. He's got welts all over his back. And, you know, Brandy, thank God they reset her character from that nightmare collective crap. Um, I, I have, I screwed up and I have a video saved where she actually explained why she had a character reset in character, and I haven't watched it yet. So I, I, I'm mad at myself because I was supposed to watch that before the show today. So I don't know where their heads are at specifically with that, but I'll know for next time. Okay. But, um, but, the, like, but I'm glad that they have her back to where she was, you know, as kind of the supportive wife, but also a woman of power in the company. Um, frankly, I think that's what she should have been all along is basically what Stephanie McMahon yes. should be. Right, be like, chief let's... brand officer, represent the company, come out and support Cody. You know, I, when she was coming out originally, when they first started this, I thought it was so that Cody could say Cody Rhodes because they would say Cody and Brandy Rhodes, you know, right. as if they were introducing <laughs> them as a couple. Clever, right? But I, I, I like her better as uh, a ringside valet for Cody. Yeah, and also, also, and largely because like her facial expression as she came out was. I mean, it's hard not to have that be somewhat genuine when you're watching your husband legit get whipped. Right. Uh, <laughs> like, and it looks it looks bad. Um, there was so blood. That was, I mean, it was. Oh yeah. Oh, Wardlow bad. got Wardlow got some blood going uh, when he hit when he had his number eight, I think it was, or nine. Um, so yeah, so I, I liked Brandy coming out because it was like, okay, cool, they're resetting her. It worked for the drama of the moment. She played it well. 
And then uh, Cody takes Lash number 10 and, you know, stands up afterwards like, cool, I'm fine. Everyone rushes into the ring. He's like, yeah, you did it. You did it, buddy. You did it. All right, cool. And MJF, because he's, he didn't break Cody, is mad. So he gives him a quick kick in the nuts and runs out through the crowd before anyone can get him. Brilliant. <laughs> like, that's just, wow. Yeah, there you go. That's, yes. that's, that's some that's some. Is MJF the best right heel working today? Uh, no, he is not. But he's very, 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 very good. And he's near the top for yeah. sure. Um, if, if, if not like in the top three and he's got to be close. I have to agree. Um, so I guess, I guess the, the, the final question I have to ask here, Nick, because the whole point of this is in the, in the sense of booking a match, like when you're booking a feud, you have specific goals with every segment that you have. Yeah. The goal is, uh, to get more heat on the heel, to get more support for the face and to make people want to see this match more. Did this accomplish all of those goals? 100%. You think so? Yep. You think fans want to watch the match more now that they've seen this? Uh, I did th- they need this? Do you know what I mean? Like, did this afterwards, did we need are we in it? a different no. place than we were before? No. Were we, were, are, we, are we in a different place now than we were before this? Like, is MJF more hated? Is Cody more loved? Do we want to see the match more now than we did before? Because if not, then this failed. I've wanted and to see the match. Thing. I've been at that peak at that plateau <laughs> since he kicked him in the balls. Like I, I was there instantly. And then they mm. kept building and building like the stipulations and Cody right. trying to give him the keys to his truck and all of that stuff, right? Was just icing on the cake for me. The steel cage match. Will we feel any different after that? Probably not. We're still going to want to see the F out of it, right? So yeah. Does it help move things forward? It's, it's Cody going through the motions, making those sacrifices so that he can get his hands on MJF and doing what the message here is like struggling through whatever it takes to get to earn what you are trying to get to get from somebody. So that to me is fantastic. I, I love the fact that they keep telling this and it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a struggle. It feels a little bit David and Goliath. It's like he's going to have to take all these lash, lashes. He's going to have to go against big old Wardlow in a steel cage where he can't get away from him. He's going to have to get his ass whipped just to have a chance to get his hands on MJF. And I love that story. I think it's fantastic. I don't know about David and Goliath, but definitely like a gauntlet of sorts. You know, you've got to run yeah. the gauntlet to get what you want. And then that's, and I understand why they're doing that, but I, I kind of am with you where I think the second that MJF turned, everyone was like, oh, mess that kid we up. We knew it was coming. Oh, yeah. But I think that part of it is also now making people wait for that and anticipating it more. Um, it's just a matter of if they are making us anticipate it more with everything that they're throwing at us. So I think that this was definitely effective for some people. Um, you know, some people are now like, oh, dude, I really want MGF to get it now. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I think that the, I think this was a successful segment. Totally. Uh, whether, or n- whether or not you thought that it was melodramatic and, you know, that's, that's wrestling. Of course it's going to be it's like, oh, he's hitting me with a belt. It's so painful. Will I be able to withstand Yes, I can. All right, I'm going to man up and I'm going to beat this dastardly heel. Yeah, it's, it's wrestling. This is classic wrestling 101. Yeah. I grew up in the early 90s in the days of corporal punishment and, you know, dad, when I got anything oh, less God. than a B, whoosh, you know. Oh, I thought you meant the wrestling character corporal punishment. No, no. Yeah, he was like an ex-army guy. No, that's, that's, it? No. No, it, that's not a real thing. Look Are you it serious? up. Google. Google it. There was a, there was a wrestler punishment. named Corporal Punishment. Corporal, uh, I'm Corporal Punishment. There's a wrestler named Erwin R. Scheister. <laughs> oh, see that? No, I don't like that at all. Well, while you're looking that up, uh, we had a, a four-on-four Atomicos match 
The Young Bucks, uh, Hangman Page, and Kenny Omega faced off against the Lucha Brothers, the Butcher and the Blade, uh, in an eight-man match. And at the end, Hangman refuses to tag in the Bucks, and as a result, eats a, a big old, what was it, like a pile driver butt stomp from the Lucha Brothers and loses the match for them. Uh, what did you find on the internet there, Nick? You, you're giving me a nod over there. Oh, yeah. it's uh, His name's Daniel McDevitt. Mm-hmm. Uh, best known by his ring name, Corporal Punishment. Semi-retired yep. American professional wrestler, trainer, and promoter. Mm. There you go, buddy. Yep. That's, uh, uh, yeah. A- I thought a- that's what you were talking about. Yeah, AWF, <laughs> ECW. I should know. I remember, I remember back, I grew up back in the day of Corporal Punishment. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was around, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he was, he, was, he was an interesting worker. Yeah. Not very big, though. That's a hell of a weird guy to pull out of your ass when you're talking. Anyway, uh, so we're talking about this four-on-four match now. Uh, how are you liking the evolution of the Hangman and Elite story? Once, once more, uh, the, the, the Bucks get in Hangman's face after this match, uh, grab the beer out of his hand. Luckily, he has a backup hidden off camera. It's um, like Nick at PWG, just drinking out of the pitcher. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is, so where do you think where this is going? This is obviously like a very, very long, slow burn storyline that they're working here. Um, but how are you liking the different, like, from what I've heard reported, they're trying to do this in like a shades of gray. But is it really shades of gray when the Bucks are kind of cons- consistently coming off as unlikable in this? And Hangman is now like, I, he's frankly he's kind of likable with yeah. the with the stuff that's happening with the drinking. Like on one hand you're like, oh, this this drinking's getting out of hand, Hangman, and then they do a stunt like this where it's kind of a little in joke. Oh, they took one of his beers, but luckily he has another pitcher. Ha ha ha! You know that's that's kind of funny and endearing. Um, what are they what are they shooting for here with this? My uh, so the interesting part for this of this for me is Kenny feels like the outlier, like the peacemaker. He's just trying to make peace between. Yeah. Like the Bucks are absolutely on a warpath to uh, for Hangman, and the, I, I think now, it was interesting the, that they actually pulled. Well, I think we know what's going on and yanked the beer out of his hand, right? And they, so now we know. Now we know that's what they're upset about, and um, the fact that he's not working well as a team because he's drinking in their eyes. I think the interesting part for me is where's Kenny going to land on this? Is this going to be the split of the elite? Or are we going to see Kenny and Hangman go off one way and the Young Bucks go another direction? Is Omega the most uninteresting part of the story? Yeah. So, like, is he well, coming so across far, as having yeah. no real, I doesn't really have an interesting character right now? He's just kind of there. So far, I mean? like, oh, oh, it, it leaves him alone to go deal with Pac, who we'll talk about in a bit. But, um, I, I, yeah, he's the one that I'm kind of keeping my eye on because he, if he decides to, he's going to be the one that has the ultimatum and has to choose. He has to pick right. Well, a they're side. Tag, they're the tag team champs, him and Hangman, exactly. and they've got you know, yeah, that's the story. So does this end I, up? I in they're going for as well. Hangman and Kenny versus the Bucks for the tag championships to settle. Probably we've got a we have a um, uh, what is it? It's like a uh, a battle royale tag team battle royale coming up. Uh, I think it's next week, the week after, and. Two weeks. It's in two weeks. Yeah. Um, and the Bucks could conceivably win that and then go and face uh, Page and Omega. Um, theoretically, at Revolution. I think it's Revolution. So that could be the head, like the end of the story or this chapter of the story, which I think they need to. They need it. We, we got to get going a little bit on some of this stuff. Um, and frankly, I think people need to know what to think a little bit more because I'm all for shades of gray, but right now I'm confused about our point here. Like, where who are we trying to get over with this? Who are we trying to make people cheer for or not cheer for? And um, because there's only so interesting these characters are going to be with this kind of an angle. Uh, 
I don't know if I so, want them to tell me who to cheer for. I think there's going to be people that are, yeah, he shouldn't be drinking to, no, on the job. To, absolutely. Yeah, right? And then there's going to be people like, he's just having a beer after his match. He's fine. You know, but that, here's the thing is that's going to also, that's going to create somewhat lukewarm reactions to matches. Theoretically, it could. It's the danger that they True. run. Is people, be, the audience being divided and be like, I don't know what to, you know what I mean? So it's, it's. I feel like they've got to make a stand on something here. Hashtag leave um, hangman alone. <laughs> leave hangman alone. Yeah. He just wants to have a beer. Yeah. If, if Joey Janela can go out back and have a cigarette after his matches, cigarette hangman can have a beer. Cigarette and a raspberry claw. <laughs> Uh, all right, so one more quick thing about this. Right. First of all, great match. Just nuts, all kinds of spots, crowd-pleasing. Uh, if you're just like watching it in the background in a bar, for instance, say, Nick, uh, it's very much something that will grab people's attention because everyone's just doing all kinds of athletic stuff. But are the Lucha Brothers, Butcher, and Blade still being misused? And I, and I mean that in the sense that they were props for the storyline here. Like, yes, the four of them got a win, which the four of them need on their record right now. But did that, I mean, they've got nothing really going on. The Lucha Brothers don't have a storyline right now. The Butcher and the Blade are wrapped up kind of in the MJF thing, but they're goons for him. Um, are these four guys, because they don't have anything really going for them right now, are they being misused overall? Uh at some point, some of the teams have to job out to the other teams. You can't have all your teams as champions all I'm at the same time. I'm not talking right? about win-loss. I'm talking about stories. I'm talking like yeah, this is something that we were, I think was brought up last week or in either the, the um, mailbag episode or on this show, and that was the Lucha Brothers in every – or maybe it was in the Facebook discussion group. Uh, the Lucha Brothers in every other – organization they've been in whether it's AAA uh or lucha underground or impact or wherever have been given storylines and the storylines they got were what got them over yes they're incredibly athletic and can do incredible spots and that's a major part as well sure but but let's let like nick let's call a spade a spade pentagon would not be where he is right now and by extension phoenix if they had not had that Pentagon Jr. storyline in Lucha Underground. Agreed. Hard stop, period. Agreed. He would not. Um, and Phoenix as well for the whole first season, you know? Phoenix, Phoenix, I think, came around the later seasons. He had more interesting stuff to do. The first season, he was just bland babyface number five. Yeah, okay. Um, and he got more interesting as the series went on. Sure. But Pentagon was the one who had the most interesting arc of the first two seasons. And he was like, he became the major star very quickly there. Um, and an impact as well. They had some great storylines with them. Here, they've gotten, they're not doing anything. They're just luchadors. They're just here. They're just guys. Um, we don't even have like a backstory for them. You know, like there's nothing for them. And for guys who their careers are kind of based on being booked well in companies, it's actually starting to for me at least, it's starting to become a glaring thing where I'm like, you guys aren't really doing anything with the Lucha Brothers. Like, these guys, you know, got over on being able to get in the ring and look cool and feel cool when they're in a storyline. But you don't have them in a storyline. And maybe there's a long-term plan. Okay, we can only focus on so many stories at once in the show. They're going to be around and then we'll come back around. They'll have a big storyline later this year. Something like that. Maybe that's the plan. We don't know about it. And if so, hey, cool, all right. I can be patient. But on the outside, it is worrisome. And they're not the only ones. I feel like 
um, you know, Kenny, as you said, is kind of a tertiary member. He's a fifth wheel of this Hangman and Buck storyline. He's just kind of there. Um, there, you know, there, there's just there's a few guys who are kind of who are just there in in AEW, and they've got a, most of the guys wrapped up in the inner circle issues, or uh, you know, friends. They're, they're buddies with Cody. They're siding with him, or or they're lone wolves like Moxley or Pack. Um, but there's just some people that aren't are just kind of they're so talented. And you're wondering why they're not doing more with them. And the Lucha Brothers are at the top of that list for me. So I, I think there's been several missed opportunities. The the namely the one that I'm thinking out the most is the return of Christopher Daniels as the Fallen Angel, and why they didn't have him and Pentagon go into a story of retribution uh, as soon as he came back. It kind of they did, and then it just fizzled. It went nowhere. It it disappeared off TV. And yeah. I'm wondering if that's they don't want to split Phoenix up from from Pentagon, or if it's something that that has to do with the SCU angle that's going on right now with Dark Order, which we'll get right. into in a little bit. So maybe we'll discuss that more when we get down to sure. uh, SCU and Dark I, Order. I think that's what ended up happening. Yeah, so we're yeah, in, they're, but, they're in a bit of a gray area. Same with the best friends. You know, it just that somebody's got to be the 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 competition for the people that are at the, in the contention in the top of the sure. card right now. Sure. It's just strange that they're doing that with them, um, given just the heat that they, or the, the energy they had yeah. coming into this. You know, They could have gone a lot of different places, and they chose to go to and, AEW. And don't get me wrong. Uh, JR, you might have missed it because you were watching at the bar, but JR's call on this was perfect. This was like watching the NBA All-Star game. It was ridiculous. All mm-hmm. of these guys. Just going through, just this match was absurdly good. No, I, I I watched it at home. It was on the background of the bar, and then I come home and I watch it. So I did. I know what you mean. And there was a lot of there. It was, those poor commentary guys keeping up with this stuff is just yeah. nearly impossible. Much less um, the ref. Good lord. Right. Uh, but speaking of keeping up with stuff, they could not keep up with Moxley. Nick, eye for an eye. Moxley had a match with Santana, and afterwards, after he got the win. He decided to exact revenge for his loss, Peeper. Took out the car keys. Ah, look at it. Ah, meaningful, meaningful irony here. Takes out the car keys, that $75,000 Ford GT that they, uh, the inner circle <clears throat> gave him. 750000 750000 750, Excuse me. I missed a decimal. Uh, took out the keys and stabbed Santana in the eye. My God. My God. The brutality. And uh, then ran off through the crowd. While uh, Jericho and the rest of the inner circle, who were all out on commentary, were in the ring beside themselves. Uh, so it, right now, Nick, I'm going to ask the same thing that we was asking about the Cody thing. Are we getting more excited for the Jericho Moxley match with stuff like this? Uh, is this helping, or is this just killing time? This is helping. Yeah, it makes it mean that much more. And, and here's the thing: this is going to have repercussion discussions for years they're going to make callbacks to these things there there will be feuds there will be turns there will be things that are based on i mean we're still in the first six months of this guys so let's make sure that we're not overly judging sure we call what we see every week week to week but let's make sure that we also give room and give these guys time to have these moments because a year from now it could they could we could recircle back around to it and it's hey remember that time he stabbed Santana in the eye with the car key from Jericho that they were going to give him from Inner Circle they'll make a callback to it in some way and, and we love shit like that 
We, as wrestling fans, we love when we know the history because it makes the thing that we're about to watch have that much more meaning. So when, yeah, it's not just about this match to me. I'm thinking a year, five years out of like how we can call back to something and have it mean that much more to us because we were along for the ride in the early days and we saw this history take place. So next week we're getting Santana gave a. Frankly, by the way, an awesome promo backstage. Not later before on. Jericho said, How, "What kind of human would stab a man in the eye with a spike?" Yeah, <laughs> oh, brilliant, classic, classic Jericho. Uh, but no, Santana gives a great promo as well and challenges Moxley to an eye for an eye match next week. They're both down an eye. What do you want, Santana? I'm curious how this is going to go down. Yeah. Um, what is an I, eye for an eye match? Are they going to? That's what I'm saying. What, I have no clue. I guess we'll find out. So tune in next week. It. We'll find out. That's, that's the, yeah. Okay. Well, I guess I got to tune in next week to find out what an eye for an eye match is, Nick. Uh, so I'm I'm curious as well. But here's the thing: it's supposed to be Moxley versus Jericho. I mean, is he just going to piss off the entire inner circle, and that's going to end up costing him the match because they're all going to come out and kill him during that? Oh know. yeah, I don't, it'll be I'm a smart finish. Absolutely. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but it definitely does make Moxley look like a a a, 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 a I don't know. Badass, but also petty as hell. Yeah, but, but I liked it. <laughs> it was fun. It's fun. It's good stuff. Also, uh, Justin Roberts really laid into the yeah. This oh my week. god! Good it's lord! Get, it was like thirty it's, seconds. It's getting to the point now where I want him to put, dial it back a little bit. Bring it back, Justin. Bring it. Bring it back. Bring it down. Bring it down. <laughs> a little less coffee in the morning, there, my friend. Uh, Nick, we had a women's match this week that I thought. Honestly, like the segment ended pretty well. The match itself was a little awkward at times, but Yuka Sakazaki and Britt Baker had a match. And at the end of the match, Britt Baker ends up losing, but then loses her mind and kicks Yuka Sakazaki's teeth off. She literally kick, puts her puts her teeth on the rope and uh, kicks her. And the the fuck the tooth came out of her head like a crown completely came off of her head. Just thunk his blood. I, it was obviously it was it was it was it was fake. It was a work. It was not a shoot, but. It was really well done, and it was brutal. And again, I love watching this show in the bar before I watch it at home because I do get that live crowd reaction, and people were like, "What? Whoa! What the hell?" Like that, it worked. People were freaked out by it. Um, I love and, the camera shots of the of the close up on her hand with the piece of tooth in it, and the yeah. spitting blood into her hand, and a uh, piece of tooth and blood sitting on the mat. Britt, I thought about Britt making Baker, that the banner this week. <laughs> Britt Baker needed this. All right. The, it the lasted dentist. like three, four minutes. It wasn't even that long of a match. It was just about the beatdown no. afterwards. Exactly, and that's what it should have been about. That's yeah. That was the right call to make, is have it be more about Britt Baker living up to her title as a real dentist and taking out someone's tooth and showing that she is vicious and brutal and petty and all the rest of that. Um, uh, yes, that more of that, please. More of that. Uh, if you're going to have Britt Baker on TV this much, that was a good way to do it. Yep. Um, and it made it made her look brutal. So I, I, for me, that, that, and that raised her stock, at least in my book. I have to call attention to this. It's, it's Sakazaki, JR. Sakazaki. Uh, he has trouble with the Japanese names. As anyone knows who watched him over on Access to New Japan. Oh, God. It's wrong. Oh, it was, it was, that was brutal. It was, it, was, <laughs> it was bad. That was where a lot of my uh, thoughts on JR turned hard. And I was like, oh, JR, maybe. Mm, oh, man. Yeah. yeah, it was tough. And, and you know, even like and Josh Barnett, like love Josh Barnett, not an announcer. He's good. He was he held up his end of the bargain on that. But if Jr. is floundering, 
Barnett's not going to be able to save him. Yeah. Um, luckily here, he's with Shivani and Excalibur, who are announcers, and they're able to save him somewhat uh, sometimes. But uh, Also, you mentioned earlier, Pack. Pack is a dirty son of a bitch, Nick. Uh, he, had, he was up on the screen and saying, uh, you know what? Uh, I guess Michael Nakazawa means nothing to you, Kenny Omega, because you still haven't come for me. But you know, I know someone who does mean something to you, and he pans over, and Riho is standing there. Oh, and, shit. Uh, what? what? And he's like, but don't worry. I'm a bastard, but I'm, I'm not going to hurt Riho, because I'm a bastard. I'm not a beast. And then we just see Nyla Rose there, the native beast, and she powerbombs Riho through a table. Oh, God! Love this. So... And Kenny yeah. freaking out, going, "Okay, okay, I'll give you your match. Yep. You can have it. Yep. You can have it." Good sell. Oh. That, you know, that's that's the it's the great like the, the heel or the face. They have more power if the other person sells that they have the power, right? Yeah. Uh, there's the there's a the classic example of Triple H selling Cactus Jack in Madison Square Garden, right? Like <laughs> yeah. that's it's all if if it's something that we may not understand. We understand by the by the actions and reactions in the ring. And if Kenny Omega is freaking out, we know that Rio is important to him. We know that he's genuinely scared for her, and that Pac is a dangerous man. And you know, so the, yeah, so yeah, Kenny Omega gave Pac his rubber match. We're getting an Iron Man, a thirty minute, not a not a true Iron Man, a half Iron Man. What would it be? A Copper Man, Lead Man match, Bron- Bronze Man, Bronze Man match uh, next week for uh, thirty minutes. So is that gonna? So when you say Iron Man, is it basically oh, last me. man standing, no DQ? Excuse kind of me. Stuff? Other way around. Nyla gets her title shot against Riho next week, and then the Iron Man matches in three weeks, which is weird because that's the week before the pay per view. So why do why do Pac Maxley Maxley pa- what Sasha Banks? Why do Pac and Omega? Good lord! Uh, the day before pay per view, the week before pay per view. I like, don't isn't know. Giving it away? Are, are we gonna get a What's different the- uh, stipulation at? Um, is this the rubber match officially? I mean, I'm yeah. sorry, the, the blow off here. I mean, are, are we are we going to be done before we get to? Are we going to have another stipulation match at the pay per view? That's what I'm wondering. Like, why? What is the thought behind not making this a pay per view match? Yeah, it's a rubber match. It's a grudge match now. Why do it on a TV show? Yeah. So I'm I'm very curious what they have up their sleeve with this. Um, also, Nyla Rose getting that title shot next week. Do you think that they've cooled on Riho and they want to put it on on the Beast now the title, or or is there something else going on here? Is it just Nyla like hasn't been looking too good the last couple of weeks, uh, so I I don't. How do you know. mean? Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. How do you mean? Just missing. John, she was on that dark episode with Shaz, Shanza, Shana, whatever, and completely missed catching her on the tope. I, I don't. I don't. Anyway. I don't. You know, I, I just you the know. women's matches in general on AEW aren't yeah, exactly, yeah. you know, science. If so it's I'm not, Nyla, I'm not, yeah, it's, overall, it's kind of it's Braun Strowman syndrome. Like, who's going to take it off of her? Right. But again, uh, at the same time, like I think the women's division kind of needs that. Yeah. You know, like we always say on the show, sometimes it's nice to have a dragon to slay. Yep. And you know, who's going to rise up to meet the challenge? So let's, and Riho has out. been because this Riho's is, been. You know, yeah. it was cute at the it was cute at the beginning, but you know they they keep pointing out she's barely ever there. She doesn't really wrestle for this. Like, she's she it's it's tough to book her in a match where she's believably competitive. Yeah. So maybe it is time to take it off of her, and we have someone try to fight Nyla Rose to get the title back, and it's she just dominates for a while, and then you know that's that's the way it works. But 
I'm curious what they're thinking with all of this. Yeah. But you know what? It's working. Tune in next week, right? That's the whole point. Get you to tune back in next week. So as far as that goes, I think that's that's working. Um, we had SCU versus the best friends in a match. And this was – I had a bit of a gripe with this, Nick. There was no title shot on the line, no number one contendership on the line. It was just a match. And it ended with the, the best friends pretty much having SCU on the ropes, so to speak, and going for a hug instead of going for the win. And it cost them because Scorpio Sky was able to rally and uh, get them for the win. Uh, and then afterwards, the Dark Order attacks. And, uh, and luckily, Orange Cassidy heroically jumps in to save everyone from getting beaten up. The Dark Order tries to recruit Orange Cassidy, and he says, well, he doesn't say anything. He just sticks his hands in his pockets, yeah. uh, indicating no. And he takes the beat down until Chris Daniels comes in uh, to try and make the save. But the Dark Order, they just float out of the ring and go, no, 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 no. Let Chris Daniels be. Uh, and saying something. Christopher Daniels the Exalted One? Well, they're Ooh. saying that they're waiting for the coming of the Exalted One. And, oh. you know, who, is the, who is the Exalted One, and why are they interested in Christopher Daniels? Like... That whole angle. That's uh, so, Nick. Two things here. One, the actual match, SCU and Best Friends. Did that need to mean something? Like, no. was it? Was it? You, you're okay with it? It, just it was being to get Orange match? Cassidy on TV and have a segment with Dark Order <laughs> afterwards, so that so that Christopher Daniels could come out at the end. But isn't that? It, but it isn't was, that forgiving? But no, that's forgiving them for something that we always kind of bitch about on WWE main roster, which is meaningless matches. I don't think it was, was meaningless, the, though. It was to set up the thing afterwards. I, I think if you're looking at the match, it was okay. That's what it was I'm an saying. Exhibition, but I, I look at it as we, we had some Orange Cassidy spots with Dark Order at the end, and then Christopher Daniels runs out, and we had that moment where they want you to be uncertain of, like, why aren't they attacking Christopher Daniels? Is he special? Uh, that's what I – so that's all set up for me what happens after the match. And I think it was an, an opportunity to get Orange Cassidy on TV as well, which is he might be the o most over person in the company, if not all of wrestling right now. So uh, we'll see. Uh, yeah. Absolutely not going to have an episode of AEW, if possible, without Orange Cassidy on TV doing his hands in pockets. And I don't know. They, they, they seem, I, th I think they're doing a good job of like doling out the Orange Cassidy. Like it's, yeah. not, it's not too much. No, they're, um, they're nailing it. Andy Jessup in the chat is asking if this he thought it was a number one contenders match. It was not. They no. previously announced that SCU was getting a title shot against the Bucks. Or, or sorry, they were getting a title shot uh, against Hangman and Omega next week. They announced that last week. So we already knew that. So this was just, as Nick said, an exhibition match, um, which, I thought was, which is kind of frustrating. But as, as you said, Nick, they did need to set up that Dark Order stuff, which I liked. And I think that, that you know, now we're kind of waiting for you know, whoever the exalted one is, whether it's Matt Hardy or if he's just using that scuttlebutt is a way to get some more money out of WWE. We don't know. Um, in before we reveal the exalted one and it's James Ellsworth. Oh God. What? That, that place would explode. No, it wouldn't burn down. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it'd, kill, it'd kill him. All this for Ellsworth. What uh, if it is orange Cassidy? What? The exalted one? No, that would be the dumbest thing ever. You ruin his gimmick. Come on. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm curious where they're going with all this. Another, another tune in next week kind of thing. Like, yeah. good long-term booking. Meanwhile, long -term. back at Meanwhile. the hall of justice, <laughs> the dark order has struck again. <laughs> Quick Aquaman. A uh, couple more things. Penelope Ford cost Kip Sabian his match against Joey Janela. This guy came out of nowhere. I thought we were building a big feud for these guys. And then, well, well here's the Kip Sabian, Joey Janela match. And uh, Penelope Ford accidentally got in the way. 
took an elbow to the face, distracted Kip Sabian, Joey White Claws, picks up the win. Um, Nick, is it just me, or is Penelope Ford the biggest star of these three? Yes. Like, is she the most engaging you. one? On And not just because she's good looking. Like, literally, she's the one, like, this, her, her, star, her presence is the most engaging of the three. It Am is. Am I crazy? No, you're not crazy. And, and I think they're, they're, I don't know if this is Joey experimenting or AEW experimenting because Joey kind of got typecast from the start of just being this kind of hardcore bro, right? He would just come out, he could take an ass whipping uh, like nobody else. And he would be up for doing just about anything. And he still kind of is, but it feels like they're trying to give him a legitimate feud here. And it's the problem with this story is that he doesn't want anything to do with his ex-girlfriend. Like if he was somehow trying to win her back or right. something along those lines, there would be some stakes. There would be some drama there, but he, he wants nothing to do with her. So that makes Kip why should irrelevant. We make, why should we care? Right. right. And that's it's the same issue that, that's that's happening over with the Lana Rusev storyline. Right. Is Rusev's like, cool, go have a life. I don't care. Shoot. But I also want to kick Bobby Lashley's ass. Wait, well, which way is it? Which one is it? Are you? Do you not care about your ex-wife? You're happy living your life, and the new guy she's got, you just don't care. Or do you want to be a dick and hide in their cake and pop out at their actual wedding right, just why, because I can't? Well, like, why do you care or do you not care? Right. You know what I mean? Like, does Joey Janela still have feelings for Penelope Ford, and he wants to get revenge on Kip Sabian for stealing his girl, or does he just not care about them, but he still wants to get revenge on Kip Sabian? Like, what do you? What do you want here? What are you telling us? Like, it's you can't be the cool guy that doesn't tell care. me what you want. <laughs> <laughs> Give me what I want. It's you can't have it both ways. Either you have to care, yeah, about it, and that gives us the reason for the match, or you don't care, and they have to keep dragging you back in. You know what I mean? Like, they have to keep and and the argument could be made that you know, yeah, they go out on the ramp and cost Janela the match by making out on the top of the ramp, that's them dragging him back in. But that doesn't really create a whole lot of fire in the storyline. It's like, no. okay, so you guys are being kind of dicks to him, so he wants to fight you. That's like it's a lukewarm. It's a lukewarm reason. Like you need a better reason than that. Like if you're if you're, you know, if you're an actor making a choice for a movie, right? It's you can say, oh, you know, well, I, I'm kind of hungry, so you know, maybe I could eat a pancake. As opposed to, I've been starving for two weeks. I, I if I don't eat this pancake, I'll die. There are two very different choices. Um, on how to play something, and one will give you a lot more energy than the other. So, and it's wrestling. Everything should be, you know, eleven. I think so. If you go for a lukewarm uh, rationale here, then the whole thing feels lukewarm. That's kind of where it feels like right now. Yeah, good way so. to put it. One more thing on the show, dude. Darby Allen burned down a mock-up of Jericho and Guevara hugging uh, with the flamethrower. That was cool. That was cool. Um, so the whole motif we, of this segment, I love the the opening black and white of him just like huffing and puffing, and then just angst. You can just feel that emo angst kind of thing going on. That, you know that I love about Darby Allen that everybody kind of dials in on Darby Allen. But yeah, sure. this whole thing with the flamethrower was fantastic. Loved it. Yeah, it was a cool little segment, but it indicates that he still has it out for the inner circle, specifically Jericho and possibly Guevara. Uh, wondering if he figures into this Moxie storyline at all, or if this is just reminding us, hey, he's still got beef. That's going to get sorted out down the road, I guess. One more thing. We'll have to wait and see. Yes. Uh, wait and see next week for AEW Dark. That's going to feature Riho versus Shoko Nakajima, uh, who we haven't seen in a while, not since yeah. uh, 
or very early on. Jimmy Havoc returns versus Sonny Kiss. Hikaru Shida versus Cassandra Golden. And the Dark Order will have a match uh, Marco Stunt and Jungle Boy. So, very huh. curious. About their, yeah. Well, that could be they interesting. Have, they have beef going back, right? They so. tried to put masks on Jungle Boy and Marco mm-hmm. Stunt. Yep. Yeah. And Luchasaurus, yeah. that was Luchasaurus's return, I, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and he's he like, I already, got a, I already got a mask. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a dinosaur. What if Luchasaurus care. is the exalted one? Roar. Roar. Uh, no. No. Why would he be? No. That's another one that they would ruin his whole uh, game. I'm just going to start asking that for everybody. For everybody. No. <laughs> That's great. I can't wait. Nick, uh, that was not all this week because we also had plenty to talk about getting set up for TakeOver Portland over on NXT. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> How did I know you were going to start with that? Uh, the oh, Broserweights have their own golf cart, and it's amazing. Just like you know the, the Kansas City Chiefs Rolling down. Sorry, Bay Area guy. I know you're a Raiders fan, but it still stings a little bit, I bet. Nope. Uh, I don't no? know. <laughs> you, do no. Raiders fans just hate the 49ers? We don't hate them. We just don't care. They're right. in another whole division. Like, if you know, we'd like to face them in the Super Bowl sometime. Sure. But that's like it's like A's Giants. Then you'll divide the Bay Area and we'll probably have another earthquake that'll shake up everything <laughs> when that happens because it's just <laughs> too momentous when the, when, the, when the Bay Area teams collide. If you don't believe me, look at the 1989 earthquake. Mm. But anyway, uh, yeah, no, th- whatever. The only reason I didn't want the Chiefs to win was because I didn't want Baron Corbin rubbing it in our faces all week, which he did. I knew he was going to do that. Much but, like uh, the uh, the Chiefs doing their celebration parade from the Super Bowl, we had the Broserweights coming out in a golf cart with their massive uh, Dusty Classic trophy. Uh, the just Broser, celebrating. The, was it was the Brosermobile? The Broserweight? Something. Broserweight yeah. mobile? Something like the that. The Bromobile would have been better. But then that, that leaves out uh, Pete Dunn, who, by the way, just no, was no-selling everything here. Yeah. Um, have you? I, this, I've been wondering this ever since I saw this segment, Nick. Okay. Because they came out to the ring, uh, and they did their kind of, uh, you know, straight man, uh, wacky man, dynamic thing, you know, where Matt Riddle's like the crazy party bro, and I'm making all the puns about smoking weed. <laughs> Get it? I smoke weed. And uh, and Pete Dunn is just completely stone faced the entire time, and you can like you get the feeling that he's just like I'm just I'm just here because we win titles. I don't know why he turned to Ringo Starr, but you know whatever I'm I'm going for it. Um, so what what do you think now about the dynamic between these two? Like, yes, they're two singles wrestlers; they got put together as a tag team. But isn't this the kind of fun, weird dynamic that? you kind of might want like it, you sometimes you get like a cool dynamic like two badasses team up sometimes you get a, a cool dynamic because it's personalities play off each other which is kind of what's happening here yeah. like isn't this is this become kind of becoming kind of fun for you now or are you still kind of salty about it uh i'm not mad at the the gimmick of it i'm not mad at the opposites attract kind of thing yeah um, I'm mad that they were the winners. I'm mad that they're the ones God. going after the UE Tag Championships. Like, didn't we just see this last year with Ricochet and Alistair Black? Right, but doesn't but isn't this a little bit more fun than Ricochet and Alistair Black? Like, this the, is actually kind of fun let's to watch. Separate the two, because it's a lot of fun to watch Matt Riddle and and Bruiserweight Pete Dunne have yeah. their moment. Fine, right? And then the Bruiserweights, fine. But I, that, they're not a tag team. <laughs> But they are a tag team, Nick. But they, they just won the they're, Dusty they're Classic. They're not a tag team like Ricochet and Aleister Black are not a tag team. 
And that's what I'm talking about. And that's what I get but hung it, up on. But I guess what I'm saying is doesn't this dynamic make them feel like more of a tag team because there's actually some sort of chemistry and some sort of way that they're interacting that is specific to them being a tag team? Like, doesn't that isn't that the cement that holds this together a bit? Uh, yeah, no. I mean, I want Matt Riddle doing other stuff. You know, I okay, want, so it's so it's so it's hashtag my wrestling. For it's you. totally hashtag my wrestling. wrestling. It's my because it's not a tag. They're not a tag team, and he there's so many other things that they can be doing than some mockery sort of tag team gimmick thing. It's but you're, so fun, you're, sure. Yeah, it's fun. But you've it's just like, illegitimately swept away oh all of God. the actual legit tag teams. Oh, Jesus Christ! Look at all man. the teams Have they a went through. Fun. What? Yes, what legit tag teams? Did they specifically go through? Grizzled Young Vets. Yeah, the Grizzled Young Vets who looked really good being in the finals. Anyway, like, I'm not, not going to convince you. I'm just you of saying, this. have a little fun with this. Like, I, you know, whether I am or having not, fun with it. Good, so enjoy it. It's not going to be forever. They're not going to be a tag team forever. This, but right now, this is fun. And them pissing off the Undisputed Era, uh, who came out and, and got mocked by Riddle and, 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 uh, and uh, Pete Dunn. Matt Riddle getting the entire crowd kind of chanting how many fish could Bobby Fish fry if Bobby fr- Fish could fry fish was fun. Sure. Weird, but it was fun. Um, and then it's just uh, a, a big, massive brawl. We ended up with a, a huge, like, so Undisputed Era, well, we don't have time for you right now. we got other things to do. And they run around uh, backstage for the entire show. Come on, where's Choppa? Tell us where Choppa is. And they're, they're being bullies backstage the entire show. Until Champa finds them, and uh, shaves some poor guy's head. Damn it, Roddy! That was stupid. They, they, some kid was sitting there getting his getting a haircut, and Roddy says, "Oh, hang on a minute." Goes back, grabs the clippers, and just just mows through his like faux hawk that he had going on. It was funny. Um, yeah, no, there was a lot of that stuff backstage that was fun. Like reminded me of old NWO stuff back there, yeah. bullying guys. And eventually Ciampa uh, finds them, and they all brawl back out to the ring. We have a huge brawl, uh, and Regal says, fine, this is going to end up being a match. Um, the Broserweights and Ciampa versus Undisputed, the entirety of the Undisputed Era, but Roddy Strong's going to sit outside, which of course you know means the entirety of the UE. Mm. Uh, this all ended with uh, what I can only describe as mm, pr- a prophetic return. What did I say last week, Nick, when we had that weird symbol pop up on screen, the 522 with the three circles? What did I say? 252, Velveteen, Velveteen Dream coming back. Velveteen Dream, absolutely. And guess what? At the end of the match, Undisputed Era gets a DQ, there's a beatdown on all of the good boys in the ring, and what should happen? The lights go out, and a purple light shines on the turnbuckle, and standing tall on the turnbuckle is Velveteen Dream. Hmm. And he lays waste to the Undisputed Era. So he is back. He's gunning for Roderick Strong, who's the one who, quote, took him out. Dream is back. Dream is back. We were setting up a match between, with all of this, setting up a match between Adam Cole and, uh, and uh, uh, Tommaso Ciampa for the championship, which is at Portland. We're right. setting up Roserweights versus uh, Fish and O'Reilly, which is at Portland. Um, are we setting up Dream and Roderick Strong at Portland, or is that going to be something that's ex- outside of all of that? And should it be, should it be part of the program or not? Um, that's a lot. You asked a lot of questions there. Uh, I'm not, Did I'm not I? really sure. 
Uh, I'm being told that my mic is really staticky, so let me try something real quick. One sec. Yeah, you're you're buzzing and buzzing over there, my friend. Okay, well, while you're working on fixing that, I'll basically answer my own question. And that is, like, right now, we know that we've got uh, five, and after this this episode of NXT, six uh, matches on the Portland card. Seven, Velveteen Dream versus Roderick Strong would make it seven. And it wouldn't be for a title, because Roderick Strong dropped the title to Keith Lee. Yeah. So I, I'm wondering now if they are going to have that be a match that's outside of TakeOver, and if so, that seems a little like a little step down, a little bit of a step down for Roderick Strong and Velveteen Dream both. So I'm kind of curious about the timing of Dream coming back now and what the what the ultimate goal is. Or if Dream's going to be the guy who interferes in the other matches and costs them the gold. I'm kind of curious what they're up to here. I, I'm not really sure at the end of the day. I, I, what I, We haven't talked about the match I want to talk about yet that lets me speculate on all of this other stuff as well. But there's other things... That I think that you know, if Dream came out here, then I'm not really sure where he's gonna go. Is he going back towards the uh, North American Championship? That's the thing, because Keith Lee is busy with the. Uh, well, as we found out right. later in the show, Keith Lee is busy with somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm curious whether where they're going with this. But I thought overall this was a great way to keep something running through the entire show build up for two matches at least and, and a third feud um so overall this was and, and also as we said we had a a, a very fun segment with the bros who to kick off the show as well so all around i thought this was this was good on the good writing on the show so yeah, yeah. Uh, i just i just hope that you get over your dislike of the bros weights and just have some goddamn fun with it man. i don't mind with the bros weights there's no way in hell they should have won that's my problem <laughs> Oh my god! They're they're fun. relax, right? Relax. Um, the other big news coming out of the show is that we had a guest star show up. It wasn't just Velveteen Dream coming back? It was also Charlotte, Charlotte Flair, making her way back to full sail. And uh, we had Bianca Belair in the ring saying, "I can't believe y'all are forgetting about me. I've got a match with Rhea Ripley, and I, I, <laughs> what if I take the title?" Could Girl, be Charlotte. Uh-uh. Could be at yeah. <laughs> Could be me at WrestleMania. Yeah. And uh, Charlotte interrupts her, gets in the ring, and just basically gives her no respect whatsoever, which Bianca did not take kindly to. And then out comes Rhea Ripley to make this a, a trifecta. And uh, as Rhea Ripley and Charlotte uh, face off, Bianca tries to get involved again, and Charlotte just face palms her out of the way. To which Bianca, uh, I can only describe as has a conniption on the side of the ring. <laughs> it cannot believe the disrespect. Um, it's a it's a wonderful gif if you find it online of her just being like, uh, 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 and just <laughs> completely overreacting to it. It's amazing. I like that, uh, that uh, Rhea and Charlotte didn't corpse here, and they just stayed locked in on each other while th- that she was doing that in the background. Oh, I, they I, had to just I mean, like. Stay on me. Stay yeah. on me. Don't look at her. <laughs> Don't look over there. <laughs> Don't look over there. She's doing her thing. You just step back and fix your braid. She's like, oh, God, God. How dare you? Oh, God, I can't believe Did you? Did you just say that to me? You what? don't even go here. Yeah, well, that's what she came back. She's like, uh-uh. You quote some mean girls. You know, what you doing here? You don't even go here. Like, we're me and Ripley have a match coming up. And what, you, what are you coming down here getting in our shit for? Um... 
I like the fact that this ended with Rhea Ripley saying, you know what, me and Bianca are going to tear each other apart at TakeOver Portland. But guess what, Charlotte? There's something we say around here that maybe you've forgotten, and that is that you know, you come, come here and disrespect her. Well, we are NXT. And at that point, Bianca Belair lays out Charlotte, and the beatdown begins. They beat the crap out of Charlotte, send her packing, and Bianca rolls out of the ring as well, as well, and leaves Rhea in the ring standing tall with the belt. What did you think about this segment, Nick? Was this a great way to, introduce, to reintroduce Charlotte back in here, keep Rhea looking strong, and make Bianca look relevant as well? Did that, yes. did that execute all of those things? Absolutely. Totally did. And I, I thought Bianca was the best thing about this segment, frankly. It reminded me that um, she was she's still in this picture. Yeah. And yes, we are going to have a match at TakeOver Portland. Portland. I don't think she's going to take it off of Rhea because everybody and their dog wants Rhea Ripley and Charlotte at WrestleMania. Sure, sure. Uh, but could you, could you see them building up Bianca to be important for this match like could they could they make it a three-way and make it exciting enough or do we straight want just chart like keep it clean no nope. charlotte keep it Rhea. clean keep it clean. okay so i see i, I, like, see I, world, I think i've said before it. i like my title matches yeah clean one-on-ones you know if, if you want to have contenders matches to get there to be the next one and triple threats in four ways and five ways be my guest that those are fun but i like my championship matches to be true tests of will and strength and all of that stuff and who can who can muster up through it? All I, I, that's why I like the one-on-one stories better. See, I think that just to make it different, because we're going to have, I, and I'm calling it right now, um, Shayna Baszler is going to come out on Monday Night Raw and interrupt Oscar and Becky, and we're going to have Shayna and Becky at WrestleMania, and I think that's going to be a clean one-on-one match. And to just make a differential, I could see them doing a three-way on the other side of things for the NXT title, just to make it to keep it interesting. So just, you know, to have, as, as we always say, a smorgasbord or buffet of different kinds of wrestling matches. And I wouldn't be mad at that. You could, you could absolutely build this up now that Bianca does have a reason to have some beef with Charlotte here. Um, and, you know, Charlotte threw her out of the Rumble, so yeah. she's got some beef there too. Um, you could absolutely build up Bianca. To have these three just hoss women in a match, I- I'm sorry, that actually does appeal to me. You're, you're talking okay. about Bianca and Rhea and Charlotte. Bianca, Rhea, Charlotte, triple threat does appeal to me. I just the, like, the, pro- the problem I have with it. I, I that's the, that is very appealing. Uh, but the the thing the problem I have with it is it usually ends up in somebody doing somebody else dirty and sneaking in and getting the win when they didn't expect. It. You know, I, that, that's what that's it just the booking of the actual like, match. I understand. Don't don't, th- don't think about the end of the match. Think about just the concept of that match as existing. Sure. That's I mean, what I'm talking. Bianca becomes the ultimate kind of underdog. Like, remember me? Look at me. And it feels bad that you wouldn't give her – she wouldn't be the one coming out on top. You're not going to put Bianca Belair over Rhea or Charlotte at WrestleMania. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, you got to get a point there. you got a point there. So I, I don't um, see it. It doesn't seem realistic as much as we would enjoy it yeah. um, as a, as a I fantasy. Just, I, you know? I also just don't want Bianca to lose to Rhea in Portland and then go back down to the mid-card again because she's yeah. done that so many times. Like, at what point do they strap her? I mean, the rocket, not necessarily the belt. I thought she would be the next one. But I did Rhea, too. Rhea I, showing up was kind of the anomaly here. And just the looking at what they did with her in the Rumble makes me think that somebody somewhere is looking at her and going, you know, we got to do something with her. And they do. I, I genuinely think that they do. So What have I been saying the last few weeks? At some point, we've got to move past the four horsewomen. And yeah, and Bianca's and, one of those. Rhea's one of those. Tony's absolutely. one of those. Io Shirai, Io Shirai, absolutely. Yeah, uh, Dakota Kai, all of them. Uh, Tegan, 
At some point, we're going to have to move on from those four, uh, especially on the main shows. But now we're getting to the point where like Charlotte's coming back down to NXT, and it's like right. it feels a little backwards. The one thing I think that they have to get over here is why does Charlotte need this? You know what I mean? She's beaten everybody on the other brands. She could conceivably go and take either title um, or at least be competitive for them. Um, and I don't know that her speech last week really cleared this up where she's like, well, I could go after Bailey. I could go after Becky. I don't really know what I'm going to do. And then Rhea is kind of making her case. And I feel like we haven't established that Charlotte either feels like she's above NXT right now or that Rhea is a credible enough threat to her. Like I th I th This, this might have been what this segment was for, just to give Charlotte a reason. Because you know, in kayfabe, as much as they want to say NXT is a third brand, it isn't yet. They, had, they have established that NXT is strong, but I don't believe that they've really gone home on the NXT as a true third brand yet. They're still building to that. They've got to give it more respect, and it's got to be for a longer period of time. Before we can believe that Charlotte would look at that and be like, yes, I want to win the NXT title again instead of the Raw or SmackDown championship. You know what? What that would do for her in kayfabe. You know what yep. I mean? Yep. Like that—that's got to be a little bit more established. Yeah, I think. And this might have been the good way to do it. You know, give her a grudge reason to do it. So, yeah. I, I, I you you said it. The the presence and the showing at the Rumble women's match. Uh, that just I had. They have eyes on on her. On and Bianca. I, on yeah. Bianca for sure. And I I think that they've got plans. You know what? What did we think of Ember Moon after Oscar relinquished oh, and moved man. up? Like she was <sighs> next, and and I feel I feel that same way about Bianca that I do about did about Ember. But we were never going to supplant the reign of Oscar, and I feel the same God, way about Rhea right now. Even I Shana. hope uh, I, I you just said Ember and Bianca in the same sentence, and I really I I would not curse like the worst wrestler in NXT with what happened to Ember Moon. Yeah. So um. All right, so also on the show, Jordan Devlin, new cruiserweight champion, and human bobblehead came out to defend his cruiserweight championship against Tyler Breeze. Look at the this size of that boy's head. Uh, head. Head. It's like a grapefruit on a toothpick. It's like a virtual uh, Sputnik. <laughs> so uh, this was a fun match. It was a, like, damn, they're just do they're doing such good cruiserweight matches these days, Nick. They're letting them work like cruiserweights. Uh Good stuff. So how often will Jordan Devlin be defending his title on NXT as opposed to NXT UK? Is he going to be like a traveling uh, champ where he just goes all over defending it against a lot of different people? And if so, is that how they should be using him? And once he drops the title, what's going to happen to him afterwards? That's I don't know the answer to either of those questions, honestly, because it was a surprise that they strapped him. Uh, at the yeah, moment. right. I was like, w okay, uh, this is interesting. Or Worlds Collide, excuse me. Um, I, I thought I think it's interesting that he does have the title. I like the mobility of the titles going crossing brands and that NXT becomes one global entity. I think that's very smart. It's not um it's not sustainable for the for the wrestlers, for the superstars to be going back and forth all the time like this. Uh why not? That's a long ass flight. That's a long journey. Put in the work, you know. You know? I, I hear you, but I, does it make more... Are there cruiserweights in NXT UK that that will be able to contend for that title? Are they using it to push up the ratings or the viewership of NXT UK in any way, or are they just going to have it on NXT TV I don't every know. week? NXT UK is like half cruiserweights, man. 
like I, <laughs> technically speaking, fair. like it's a, there's a lot. You basically have a bunch of like big hoss dudes and yeah, then a bunch big of old guys. boys. Yeah, there's nothing in between. <laughs> there's no there's no middle. You've either got like oversized hobbits like Tyler Bate, or you've got just Goliaths like Walter. Mastiff. Yeah, right. Like it's <laughs> it's one or the other. <laughs> so. Uh, no, I think there's a lot of cruiserweight matches he could have over in UK. He's he was on 205 Live this week versus Tony Nese and Leo Rush, um, and he was here versus Tyler Breeze, which he won. So you know, I think it's uh, the best thing it's for is for Jordan Devlin. This is the best. This is the the best thing for him. I don't know if it's good for the cruiserweight belt. Um, I thought Leo Rush was a great traveling champ. Yeah, um, who really looks like a cruiserweight and acts like a cruiserweight. But uh, yeah, well, I, I guess wait and see. How Wait did Tyler see. Breeze get a title defense title shot? I don't care. It's Tyler Breeze. I'm just glad yeah. he's doing something. So that's my thing. Is like we 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 had another match that we'll talk about later with the former champion that really had no stakes in it. Yeah, around just it. Kind of but why wouldn't he be going back after his cruiserweight championship? Right. It, like the combination of this match, a title defense against Tyler Breeze, and then the other match that happened with the other two guys. Well, let's talk about that now. Angel Garza sure. versus Swerve Scott. Yeah. Uh, which, as you said, it was just kind of there. And it was basically just a framing to have Angel Garza explain why he's going up to Raw and helping out with, uh, you know, the U.S. title. Sure. Helping out his, you know, he's like, I'm dealing with family stuff. Um, and, you know, and for Swerve Scott, uh, I've been I've followed him as well. And I was looking at him and he was he was saying it's time for a change. He's going to try and go to, a, like I, I guess, a darker place. Um, we'll see if his character gets a little bit more edgy. I wouldn't mind that. You know, yeah. he was he was he showed a picture of like of his back after the Hell of War match where he's just covered in scars and blood. Um, so I'm curious if they're if they're going to make Scott more edgy, which I think would be good for him. Um, and what their plans are with Angel Garza? I think this was basically just an explanation of why is Angel not going for the cruiserweight championship? Why is he off doing other things? So you know, he he picked up the win here. So I don't think like it's not like. He's fallen off or anything. He's just saying, I'm going to go to bigger pastures for a bit. I think I would have had Swerve Scott challenging for the championship against Devlin instead of Tyler Breeze and keep Angel Garza off TV this week. If I was but booking if, this, I, I would have done that. Oh, Nick booking. I'm yep. actually glad they did it the way that they did it because, again, I think that they're, um, they're, they're like Angel Garza is a, is a star now. He's a star, and I think that you need to keep stars on TV. Swerve sure. Scott, I think that they're they're turning a corner with him, so he's got to take a loss like this to a cocky bastard like Angel Garza to to you know to piss him off. There's not really anything going on right now with Tyler Breeze, so having him have a competitive match That's fair. against Jordan Devlin, you know, it it uh, it establishes Devlin as being a heel because now he's beating a fan favorite uh, in Tyler Breeze, and and we also know that Tyler, you know, he's he's still a credible opponent. So it makes Devlin look good to beat him, especially when it's such a close match like this was. So I liked the way that they did this. I wish, as you said, there was a little bit more meaning, I guess, established behind the Angel Garza and Swerve Scott match, but it's a nitpick. Yeah. NXT's always been very good about being very deliberate on their matches and why they book things the way the they do. Part. And For the most part, yeah. There's always some kind of meaning or story behind why there's two people fighting in the ring. And right. I... I, I I just didn't feel that with either of these matches this week, and it it, huh. it was a you know it was a good portion of the thing. Like, I, but again. yet you were fine with SCU versus Best Friends. I'm just saying it wasn't about SCU or Best Friends. 
Well, this wasn't necessarily about either of these guys. If you're talking about outside storyline, like, oh, it's just a way to set up the Dark Order. Nothing and I'm really happened was, after the matches either. Well, but I'm saying maybe this is a way to set up other like other character changes. Okay. Fine. Like if, if the similar we're, excuse. We're in a loop. <laughs> All right. Uh, also in a loop, guys who seem to not be able to get out of each other's orbit, Donovan uh, Dijakovic. Dijak! Dijak beat Killian Dane fairly handily and will be getting a shot at the North American Championship in Portland, Oregon. Uh, against Keith Lee, who came out and gave him a big handshake afterwards and said, I hope you're ready. Uh, so Lee Dijak, uh, four, I guess is going to be in NXT four or five. So I, I was, I was going through and looking at it and the person that uh, when I was before the show today, because I was like, really, I watched these last night, just playing catch up for the week. And I was like, we're getting this again. Yeah. And I went back and it, I think it was Adam Cleary of it. What culture that called it out. So credit where credit's due seven times. Seven times, this will be the seventh match of Lee and Dijak since they went on USA. Hmm. Seven times. And I, I'm I'm not mad at it. We're huge no. marks for both these guys. But at some point, let's Raise have... stakes. Like, yes, yeah. it's for a title belt this time. Now it's for a championship. But, yeah, they, there's got to... I, I, have, I have a kind of know where you're going. There needs to be something else. Yeah. Give me a little, like, a little bit more pepper on this steak. I mean, we got saying. a little bit of a detour for war games and we thought the, the Monstars were coming back and then, yeah, eh, well, this, we're is back this, this is what's weird is that like Dijak took out both Damian priest and Killian Dane fairly handily. Yep. Like he just mowed through them week on week after week, which is weird. Like that's bizarre considering how much they built up both of those guys. So, I'm very curious what the thought was there yeah. with, with having them both go down so quickly and clean. Killing, killing Dane's return is done. I'm, is it, though? Like, that's exactly yeah. right. Like, that's what it made me kind of go, wait, like, you just brought him back. You had big things for him. You were, you know, booking him all over the place, and now he's just going to, you know, drop one to Dijak fairly easily. Yeah. Interesting. Like, I'm waiting for something else to show up here. I, I agree. It feels like something else needs to be here. Yeah, I don't know what it would be. Velveteen uh, Dream. What? Velveteen Dream. That's why I thought okay. Dream coming back for the North American to no, get his North American problem, Championship he's back. So, he's so out of that picture right now. He's just out for revenge against Roderick Strong. That's why I'm, uh, yeah, I'm a little it. confused. Yep. Guess somebody explain it to me. Uh, Mercedes Martinez returned to TV against uh, Casey Catanzaro, who also returned to TV. Awesome. They had a match. It was a match. Cool. They got to show off what they can do. Nice little video uh, packages to remind us yep. who they are, and I mean, really well cool. done here. Fantastic. Yep. Nope. No. No problems with any of this. Uh, just, I guess, the only question I have is, at some point, are Marce Mercedes Martinez and Mia Yim going to have a clash to determine who can keep the gimmick? No, they're going to win the Dusty Classic next year. Uh, they might if they do a women's Dusty Classic. I'm just saying. Uh, hey, Nick, you put it out there, buddy. Oh, God. Nick, Nick booking going to come true. Finally, on NXT this week, Gargano, Johnny Gargano, and Finn Balor, the Prince, have a little promo off, a split-screen promo off uh, in the studio and got fiery with each other. Johnny Gargano saying, uh, you know, you, is this the Finn Balor that was jobbing out to Bobby Lashley on Monday Night Raw for weeks on end? And Finn Balor gets all pissed off about it and basically is like, Johnny, you know, Johnny Gargano saying, sitting here saying, I've been on... I've main invented more pay-per-views than you ever did uh, in NXT. So, you know, 
who's who really is Mr. NXT here? Like you say, you want to come down and be Mr. NXT. Well, well guess what? So this was, I, I don't know. What do you think about this, Nick? I, I like this. I thought it was fiery from both guys. Yep. Um, we established this as kind of for the soul of NXT a little they bit. Both, they both got their jabs in. I thought yep. it was really well done. Yeah. I, I thought that, you know, the, the it layout, gave me shades the format, of Samoa Joe and Brock Lesnar doing it a couple of years ago. Yeah, that and, seems, I, and, and I went. That seemed smoother, and that ended yeah. with Joe like running on the hallways, good to Brock, like looking for him, <laughs> <laughs> which was awesome. And this was just, you know, they they get to the inter- interview and Finn storms off, and but it, it felt the format, the side by side format, it's a little stilted, you know, and it felt a little stilted here. But both guys really they brought their energy, they brought their fire, and I think that saved it. But it didn't stop it from being a little stilted. Remember what I was saying earlier about AEW uh, when I said you need to give them time so that you can call back to stuff historically and we were all there and we're going to remember all of that? That's exactly – this promo is a perfect example of that. Johnny taking a jab at Finn because he jobbed out all last year to Bobby Lashley. Uh, You know, uh, Finn taking shots at – uh, at Johnny for ha- you know more takeovers or, or Johnny taking just all those things right they all mean something because we've all watched both of them for the last couple of years if you were just watching that you would just be like all right it's a stat eh, great I don't even really it doesn't have any meaning to me but s- having sat through those things that they're both referring to it it means right. more and and that's what it, I was yeah. referring to earlier when we were talking about AEW and the, like give them time they need to they need these kind of moments to call back to a year from now five years from now yeah which is also my 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 thing that I always tell you when you say like they need to start their own network I'm like they gotta have the content true they don't have enough content yeah. so I, and that's exactly. I got a lot more to say about that I think later okay. you probably got well, we'll say we'll save that because uh, yeah we got definitely some big news to talk about down there I almost had a big news segment but I didn't want to get bogged in a lot of uh, financial stuff at the top of the show yeah. but we will get bogged into it in the news section but that doesn't come till later because first we're gonna talk about Friday night Smackdown well one of the big things that we had on Smackdown last night was a women's fatal four-way for the number one contendership to Bailey's SmackDown Women's Championship. That's uh, a mouthful. Dana, yeah, it is. Dana, Carmella, Alexa Bliss, and Naomi. Yeah, Dana Brooke, Alexa Bliss, and two women with one name. Right. Uh, Carmella and Naomi. I was surprised by the outcome here um, after I think we a all fairly were. long match. I, I First of all, surprised this was the main event. Um, you, you've advertised Goldberg's going to be on the show, and that's not your go-home. You have you have this fatal four way go home and the audience just died for it. <laughs> you advertise that Goldberg is going to be there. Oh yeah, and then he shows up on satellite. Satellite. Oh, and everybody oh. at that show is going. Oh my God, we're going to get to see Goldberg's entrance and Pyro's back, so we get sparklers and he's going to breathe. Nope, he's on nope. the Tron. Yeah, we'll get to that, man. Oh, <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> Uh, first, we got to get through a couple other things, uh, like this fatal four-way. As, as you said, it was the main event of the show. I think even audience- braggartly at the beginning of this, so like as they're doing their entrances uh, or entrance, I should say, mm. uh, one person got an entrance, Naomi, and I was like, "Naomi, we all know Naomi's going to win this, but I'd really like to see Dana Brooke get a shot here." Neither. Nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah, neither. They did swerve me because I was definitely saying, okay, well, Bailey's going to feud with Naomi. But I was saying, you know, 
how are they going to make that run to WrestleMania? Well, we found out how, Nick, and yeah. that is by putting someone else in Bailey's way first, namely Carmella, who snuck in. Naomi had the, the thing won, and Carmella snuck in with a kick and gets the win, uh, pinning Naomi, actually, I believe. So that was uh, uh, interesting, and the audience also was like, oh, huh? uh, all right, Carmella versus Bailey. Yay. 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 Yeah. Uh, yeah, they kind of crapped on this, man. Um, and I can't say that I blame them. You've done nothing with Carmella for months and months and months, and now all of a sudden she gets a title shot and you expect people to care. Where's Lacey? That's not how the... Uh, did, being did Lacey being just a mom. Being a mom somewhere. I don't know. Being Poof. a mom yeah. and a Marine. I lost at Royal Rumble, and now I'm just gone. Right. All right. Well... All that, all that talk about mom and, and country, I guess it doesn't matter now that you just lost a match. Whatever, oh, it's Carmella. And again, you don't do anything with Carmella for months and months, and then all of a sudden you put her in title scene and you expect us to care. And the audience's reaction kind of said it all, and that was, we don't care. The other problem was that they were in San Jose, and that's Bailey's hometown. Yeah. So no matter who they're getting to win this match, the audience is going to be like, crap on it and sure enough bailey was beating people up on the sidelines and the crowd was cheering her yeah <laughs> so san jose is one of those bizarro world kind of pl- towns too well, anyway. what, oh stop it michael cole just because it was bailey's hometown is all it's not a bizarro what what are you talking about it's either Only really this- good or it's really bad it, just as a crowd in general anyway what? Let's, let's not get sidetracked what? on that uh, you better <laughs> you can't just throw that out there and be like oh but never mind moving on yeah all right, fine. Um, this, okay, so this is, I feel like this is a delaying tactic. I feel like this is them saying, we've got a lot of time to WrestleMania. We've got to throw some more things in Bailey's way so that at WrestleMania or around then, uh, we can do Naomi versus Bailey. Here's the problem, Nick. I don't think Naomi versus Bailey is a WrestleMania caliber match. I don't think there's anybody versus Bailey that's a WrestleMania caliber match at this point. I don't think there's enough excitement with Bailey to have her on WrestleMania. What do you think about that? I think the best thing they could have done was drop that title back over to Lacey Evans and spent the next two to three months building her up to be something so yeah. that a new heel, maybe a fresh turn, could have come and challenged her for it. But no, You're let's give it on Bailey that hadn't done shit for eight months with it. She was like Lacey was starting to get some serious traction. People were digging her face turn. They were digging a lot of stuff they were putting out there about the mom and the Marine and everything. Like, she was starting to get genuine traction. You're totally right. If they had put it on Lacey, uh, you, I mean... The only problem is there's not a whole lot of female heels on SmackDown for her to feud with. You fix that. That's uh, yeah. Again, like you uh, tweak a couple of things. You could have had Lacey then, Sasha. You know, so if but, Sasha ever makes well, it back, Sasha ever, whatever's happening with her. Well. Suppose supposedly a, a ankle injury or possibly a concussion again. Who knows? Like, what the hell is going on with that woman? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, you know what, Nick? I think long story short. The SmackDown Women's Division is a shambles right now. I yeah. think that it's, you know, when, you're, when your top person, your person holding the belt doesn't really generate excitement outside of her hometown. Uh, and everyone else in the division has been misused to the point where no one cares. The only other person people care about is Naomi because she's just now freshly back and dressing like dead mouse without the ears. Um, but you've got to do something with Naomi while the iron is still hot. Because really quickly, she's going to get mired down in the mediocrity of everything else in the division. Even Alexa Bliss was in this match, and she was you know, backstage with Nikki before this, promising, like, oh, I'm going to do something twisted in this match to win. She didn't. 
She got she got hornswoggled just like everyone else did by Carmella. She didn't have anything up her sleeve. So now even Alexa's looking kind of like she's the only person who's got any kind of sparkle to her besides Naomi. Uh, I'm, and, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the lost opportunity on cashing in on the Dana Brooke uh, stuff that was going around. Well, like, yeah, they, right. they, haven't, they haven't really done anything with that either. I think the fact that Dana Brooke is getting any TV time at all is a, is a credit to how hard she's worked. Sure. Like the fact that she's where she is at where she's at now. She was just in a number one contenders getting. match for the title. I, I'm, I'm you know okay I mean? with that. There, she has definitely worked herself back up into her position. So props to Dana Brooke. But let's not get crazy and say she's going to be in a title picture anytime soon. Um, speaking of titles, tag titles. I mean, you can oh. have Carmella. <sighs> well, that just only knows how to do a kick. She knows how to do more than that. She has like a submission thing that she does. You know. Okay. She knows, she knows how to. You, you, keep how to get in, you keep justifying that to yourself on your. She knows on how to get in with the team. <laughs> We're not still on Jordan Devlin here. Come oh, on. I'm sorry. Oh. Miz and Morrison. However, we are in Miz and Morrison. Eminem. They had the dirt sheet at the top of the show. The return of the dirt sheet. Nice. And uh, they this had was a, a nice touch. Of, they had a spoof of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which was classic. Lance Storm appearance. <laughs> if I could be random, serious for a minute. Random, random <laughs> Lance Storm appearance. It's great. Uh, Morrison introducing himself. <laughs> I have a button-up shirt, and I don't use any of the buttons. Uh, that was good. So this was all very fun. I... I worry that they're going to get Miz and Morrison back over with stuff that this this, this charismatic. Luckily, New Day came out to uh, to oppose them and show everyone who the true faces were, and they had a little discussion about their upcoming tag team title match um, before they were interrupted by the Usos, who said, "Yeah, yeah, but you know, Miz Morrison, you never beat us." But then the Usos got interrupted by Rudolph, Bobby Roode, and Dolph Ziggler, and then this all this all became a match. Between Rudolph and, and the Usos, who, I, I, it was a match, Nick. That's really all I can I'm say. I'm shaking my head, but I think I said in the live chat last night, I really miss Bobby Roode when he's really on. This might be one of the better, because he had a good five-plus minutes there where it was just him and the ring working. Yeah, it looked great. It looked fantastic. Please make him a dick heel in a suit. It's been two years. I've been begging for it. We know you guys listen. Please let make him have a singles run as a dick heel in a suit for God's sake. Stop putting him with Dolph Ziggler. All right. Dolph Ziggler up. is a death knell. Oh, God. <laughs> Somebody talk Nick off the ledge. Ah! <laughs> We're losing him. <laughs> oh, he's getting twitchy over there. Oh my God! Hey, at least he's hey man. He was out of, off TV for thirty days. At least he's back on TV in a, a big, I mean, a long match uh, for an opening segment. I just was another match. I was like, what's the point of this? And that's actually, by the way, this is going to become a theme on the show. Is what was the point of this? Yeah. <laughs> like there was a point to the women's fatal four way match. It was the number one contender. All right, Bobby Roode, Dolph Ziggler versus the Usos. It's just a continuation of the Roman Corbin feud with their underlings or their cousins or whatever. Uh, no, no, no reason. It's like yeah. we don't like each other. Let's have a huge long match. With I no got stake. excited when the Usos came out and we're going to challenge Miz and Morrison. Like, why couldn't that have yeah, just been yeah. the match? Hey, hey that would be great. Put your number, put your number, number one contendership on the line. There we go, instant stakes. But no, no, no. We, yep. Hey, off. everybody, remember we got it. We have a real tag team match at the pay per view for the championships. But in the meantime, here's something else. That doesn't mean anything. There's like a kind of a. a, a just a little little spin-off of this this long, long feud we've been having. Uh, we also had more Corbin and Robin. 
Corbin bullying everyone backstage for pl- continuing to play the uh, the dog food, the quote unquote dog food eating video, which was of course more of like a, a college hazing ritual than anything else, uh, where Roman and the Usos were pouring dog food onto Baron Corbin. Uh, I swear to God, dude, this was this was. Every time I see it, I just get like, you know, Revenge of the Nerds flashbacks. I'm just like, oh God, dude, it's it's seriously Nerds! It's, like a bunch of, it's a bunch of frat boys uh, pulling off a hazing. And I still feel like, cheated. Not one son of a bitch ate any dog food. Nobody ate that. It was you spent three hours telling me food. somebody, the loser, was eating dog food. Michael nobody Cole, ate any damn dog food. Michael Cole rammed it down our throat the entire show that someone's eating dog food. I saw no dog food consumption. There was absolutely not a bit of Alpo passing someone's lips. That's some bull crap. Instead, we got a hazing. Right. I, I, I feel cheated. And your top Greed. face, your man of the company, flicking him with a spoon. Flicking him with a spoon. What the? What, what are the you hell? doing? <laughs> oh. Oh. This is the guy so you good. want to be. Your the face of your company on Good Morning America. Cheered. You're finally yeah. getting him cheered, and he's flicking dog food at somebody. <laughs> Oh, man. But at least Corbin was doing his best to keep everyone from seeing that footage, including going into the production truck and throwing a dude down the stairs for, for playing it, and then running out to the ring and, and saying, everybody, you, know, you all suck. Uh, you know, bullying a fan, pouring beer on him, and gloating about, because he's in San Jose, gloating about his Chiefs beating the Niners, which, of course, was stung a little bit for all the Bay Area cats there. Um and then Roman came out to chase him off and say, fine, you want more? Let's do this in a cage. But he didn't specify when, so I was sitting there the entire rest of the show being like, oh, we getting Corbin Roman in a cage on this show? That's, that's something. Okay. Nope, nope, not in San Jose. We set it up here. Usually that's what a heel does and, in fact, did at this show was, oh, yeah, we're going to have that match, just not here, not now. Right. That's kind of what Roman just did. Yeah. Hey, San Jose, me and Corbin, we're going to have a cage match. But you're going to have to pay to see it because we're not going to have it here. So all that money you spent coming to the show, well, you got Rudolph versus the Usos. So you're right. welcome. Yeah, remember sure. how we told you Goldberg was going to be here too? Nope. You're not getting that either. <laughs> no, but you are going to get a 15-minute Elias versus Cesaro match. You're welcome, San Jose. We got Elias versus Cesaro in a lo- like the longest match either of these guys have had in months, possibly years on TV. Uh, and it no, didn't matter. There's no point to this match. Somebody, anybody, if you're in the chat, explain to me, Nick, explain to me, what was the point of this match? I think they're, they're working really hard on, you've said it yourself here on the show multiple times, give, give them six months and you can book anybody into a top position. I feel like they might be trying to push Elias a little bit here. You, you think? But why Elias is his face gimmick is terrible to you. There's a lot of people that like it. I know. I don't understand it. Somebody explain it to me. You like it. Yeah. Okay. Explain it to me. What is it? What is it about this pandering? He can't play guitar. The whole point is he's a terrible guitar player. Who's not a real rock star. He comes out and annoys you because he's, he's, you know, he thinks so highly of himself and now he's doing it, but we're all supposed to cheer him. Yes. So explain to me why, what, why? Please. I, I, I don't know. I've had my okay, eye on Elias right. since since he showed explain up. Explain it. Okay. You well. can't explain it. There's no explanation for it. There's nothing that makes this so that it should be a a a, a face gimmick. It's terrible. 
you you don't even have an explanation for it, do you? You're just I'm like, not, like I'm not like gonna it. be. I can't talk to you right now. Right, because you don't have an explanation. You, I don't, you don't have an have explanation any- of why his face gimmick is what it is, and why they keep flip flopping back and forth between him tearing down audiences and getting them. Over. But it's it's working. It's it's he's made that flip. I think and, it's more just like been, the audience is. It's a captive audience, and they're being and pandered we just to. And saw like, what oh. was arguably one of the better matches Elias has ever had on TV, and that's for what because it was. they actually gave him time. It wasn't that it was like you know a, a lights out amazing match. He was working with Cesaro too, who's like who's amazing. It, it makes it, everyone look right. good. It, they they both looked great. Elias gets a win here. We heard Elias's music. It, it, it's wor- like give it time. Give it but a why chance. does Elias need the win when we're trying? What's going on with Sami Zayn's little crew here? Don't care, right? Like back, to, like he's he's obviously a terrible manager because back to back his boys lost matches because with with him right there, Cesaro lost to Elias of all people. Nakamura dropped the title to Braun Strowman, like this week. And yes, yes, this week Braun Strowman came out to celebrate his title and win, and the revival came out to mug him. And it looks like the revival now part of Sami's group too. And maybe that's the idea is Sammy needed to get more guys to get it done. And I'm not mad at the idea of a Sammy-led stable with Nakamura and the Revival and Cesaro. That's, that's tasty. Cool. Fine. But we just had a goddamn 15-minute Elias-Cesaro match that Elias won. And I, I need someone to explain to me what. <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to be able to convince you how this could possibly be a good thing at this point. Nope, probably nope. not. No, probably not. Yeah, it's, it's including just, me. <laughs> but I think it could be a good thing. And I like Elias. I like I, to be clear. When Elias is a heel, I think the gimmick is, is spectacular. I just don't understand why he needs to be a face, um, or what the idea is with pushing him so hard as a face. Yeah. Because I, I think his gimmick stinks as a face. All right. I don't think it works. It's it's grating to me. The gimmick, yes, I agree with you, but I, I am, I have a soft spot for Elias. We've wanted to see him do well for a long time. We jokingly said he was Seth Rollins' final form. You know, he all of was that stuff, doing right? just fine as a heel. What? Yeah, he was never winning though. He was there to does job. It doesn't need to win as a heel. That's the whole freaking point: is to make you want to see him get beat. He was. Uh, I'm trying to give you some explanation. <sighs> There's and it's there, all it's doing no, is just. There's no talking to you right now. All it's doing is winding me up more because your explanations are are not working. Are, They're not. Yeah, they never me. do. No, they no. They that's don't. kind of the point. All right, let's talk about Goldberg live via satellite. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> and now here, Michael Cole is going to throw it over to Goldberg on satellite, sitting in his garage. Oh, <laughs> It's like a Dodge <laughs> Challenger, like engine hoist, and it's just couldn't, like couldn't go to man. a studio. They had to they had to go to his house. He couldn't come out of the house for you guys. He could definitely not coming to San Jose. Uh, even though he, does he live in L.A.? Someone correct me if I'm wrong. I think, I think he lives in lives Texas. In oh, you might be right. It might be Texas. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, so Goldberg's on TV. Like so, Goldberg. Uh, we just have to ask. Who's next? <laughs> because that's your catchphrase. <laughs> that's your catchphrase, right? Uh, who's next? And he goes, oh, well, you know, Brock has got his thing going on. He and I are old buddies, you know, ha, 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 wink, wink. But uh, he and I, he's got his own hands full with Drew McIntyre. So, you know, I'm, I'm Goldberg. So uh, think about the other title. How about the universal title? And everyone kind of goes, oh, that's the fiend. And sure enough, up pops Bray Wyatt. And we have a little split screen. Uh, between Bray Wyatt in the Firefly newsroom, 
when he's he basically says beep 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 beep. Yeah. Newsflash, Goldberg. Uh, you don't want none of the fiend. Yeah. Because he'll kill you. And that uh, thing with Brock Lesnar, where you lo- had it for about seven seconds. You had the universal uh, title beat, for about no. seven seconds. Goldberg beat Brock in seven seconds. He and Brock actually had like a five minute match at WrestleMania. Sure. Like it was actually for for both of them, it was actually kind of a match. Is like Goldberg, Goldberg broke? Or is he just trying to redeem himself from The Undertaker showing? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's not broke. I mean, let's look. He's, he's, I'm sure financially he's doing fine. But, you know, WWE still wants to capitalize on the cachet that is Goldberg. This is going to be The Fiend and Goldberg. It's official. is happening. But it's happening at Super Showdown. It's in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia demands top talent yeah. for those shows because they're paying so much. Goldberg counts as that. And yes, he needs to be redeemed for the Undertaker match. Is he going to be redeemed by a match with the Fiend? Nope. Who like like it's, it's going to be, be a, another legend on Bray Wyatt's wall in the Firefly Funhouse with the red X's through it. You heard it here first. It's of that's course the it whole is. point. It, you're what 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 do we expect from this match? Goldberg doesn't work long matches. It's going to be like a no sell off. Like who can no sell more? Goldberg or the Fiend? Like what even is this going to be? Who's excited for this? Who? Somebody, more explanation required. Somebody in the Facebook discussion group, Discord, in our chat right now, please explain what what is exciting about this. Uh, because I'm I'm looking at this like, wow, this is I'm I'm seeing two trains on the same track, and they're going towards each other, and everyone else is kind of like, oh yeah, Goldberg versus the Fiend, that's going to be exciting. I'm like, no, they're gonna, it's going to be a train wreck. The trains are going to wreck. It's not it's not good I, I get it are you excited for this nick not at all okay and you're a goldberg dude like big time yeah also a big bray wyatt dude um, okay but at the same time this does good for neither one of these guys the fiend should be continuing to establish his dominance i understand that this is a one-off exhibition for blood money in saudi i want to put that out there on the table it is what it is but i want i don't want the fiend to be distracted from his absolute plowing through the entire SmackDown men's locker room and just go through, just counting bodies, uh, right? clawing everybody, putting everybody down. That's exact. This is what he should. He's been doing and what he should have been doing the whole damn time. And there's not one sucker that's going to get him until Roman reigns at mania. But, uh, this is, it is what it is. We just have to accept it. Shovel that poop into our mouth and swallow hard. <laughs> Blow. Oh, Jesus. There's a visual. Nobody wants this. Uh, uh, there are people apparently that do, man. Because I, I, I got blown up about people being like that excited for this. Uh, I don't know why. Again, I, are they not aware of how this is going to go down? Like, wh- how, what do they possibly expect from this? I, I don't know. I was. Did he not watch the strap match with Daniel Bryan where the Fiend just stood there and took straight lashes without any reaction whatsoever to his chest? Yeah, it's like people. Like, what are you gonna don't... do, Goldberg? Well, speaking of which, we did have Daniel Bryan backstage watching this whole segment and shaking his head and looking depressed. And then Heath Slater came in to try and pep him up and was just acted the fool and basically ended up insulting Daniel Bryan and saying, "Man, we're really stupid of you to go after the Fiend. Like he's just he's just mean. Like why would you tie yourself to him? You're kind of stupid." <laughs> Daniel Bryan says, "That's cool. Um, let's continue this conversation in the ring, Heath." Yeah. And then he proceeded to go to the ring and murder Heath Slater. Which is, you can't do, that man's got kids. No, it's just, I know, it's low-hanging fruit. I just yeah, had to. Yeah. Uh, 
but he killed Heath Slater. And the commentary was saying, you know, yep, the fiend will change you. So are we going to like a darker place with Daniel Bryan? Finally, he's saying, well, you can't break me. Is it like a slow poison with Daniel Bryan? Like that's, this was the most intriguing thing about SmackDown to me right here is what is going on with Daniel Bryan? Sure. What is what is happening with Daniel Bryan? I mean, Bryan? I'm looking down the list of everything that happened on SmackDown, and yeah, there's not much. There's one thing. <laughs> there's there's one thing we have to talk about still. But look, I mean, everything else around the world of wrestling right now is f- kind of firing on all cylinders. Oh yeah. SmackDown, not so much. It's right now of all the shows we, that that we watch week on week of all the wrestling, of all the hours and hours and hours of wrestling that we watch a week, Nick. SmackDown is definitely the, the show I dread the most right now. Yeah. And it's not like it's all bad either. It's not. But it's, there's a lot of stuff where I go, okay, one of the things that Raw is doing well is having stories evolve week on week. There's forward progress. There's a feeling that things are happening that have consequence that are going to then uh, continue to evolve the following week. There's not a sense of stasis. Um, Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler versus the Usos doesn't change anything, doesn't mean anything. Even Miz and Morrison talking to the New Day doesn't change anything, doesn't evolve anything. Uh, the women's number one contendership match, one thing it actually affects. Uh, Elias versus Cesaro meant nothing. Uh, we had Goldberg and The Fiend get set up. Uh, Daniel Bryan, something's happening with him, but we're not sure what. That was the most intriguing thing. The other two things we had on the show was Sheamus coming out and, uh, and destroying... Um, Apollo Crews just destroyed him. Brogue kicked him. And then Chad Gable came out uh, to help and got destroyed as well, and Sheamus stands tall. What did it mean? What did it, how did this evolve? Okay, Sheamus is dominant. We're putting poor Chad Gable in the, in the rearview mirror, and Sheamus is really strong. What, how does this change anything? How does this evolve? How does this make us go, cool, I can't wait. But we wait didn't because he, back back, he came running back out. We're still doing Shorty G. Yeah, he got beat down. Yeah, so we're not That's putting him in the rear view just yet. I mean, are, but he are but we? he he crushed him. Yeah, he came out to help and he crushed him. If Shorty G had stood tall at the end of this, I would say, yeah, we're still doing this. But he didn't. Sheamus stood tall, and they and they commentary said, well, who's going to stop the fella? You know what I mean? So is, is Sheamus going to now like is Roman Reigns and Sheamus are they the next big feud after uh, Corbin's done with them? Like nothing changed. There's when we were talking about AEW and NXT. A lot of things I was saying was, tune in next week. Can't wait to see where this goes. Where are they going with this? A lot of that. SmackDown? Okay. Bray Wyatt versus Goldberg. Not terribly excited about that, but at least something to look forward to. Sure. Uh, Carmella is Bailey's number one contender. Not excited about it, but that's something that's going to be happening. We know we're getting a tag match between Ms. Morrison and The New Day. At some, when, at some point, we're going to get a cage match between Roman and Baron Corbin. That's aging reasons to come back next week aew nxt gave us reasons raw gave us reasons smackdown is not giving us reasons to come back next week nothing's evolving nothing's changing even the one thing that i know you loved which was otis getting in shape for his valentine's date and this montage sequence of him doing all the things to get in shape was uh, it's setting it up for next week no uh, don't you dare blaspheme this they could have done amazing they could have done so much more with this I think they're going to next week. Well, yeah, but I'm saying as far as setting it up, like they had a couple of nice little funny things in here, but they could have done so much more with this. This was fantastic. 
Okay. I, I was just. I what did you like? What did you like about this? It? What did you like about it? I just who doesn't love a good montage? Who doesn't love a good you know? I love, a, guy... I love a. I love a good montage. This was a boring montage. Okay. No, tell me what you liked about it. I, I disagree. Oh, okay. What did you like I, it, about it? It's it's Otis emoting and lifting weights and jumping rope and doing all this stuff and trying on cute little red bow ties and just that was funny. The, one of that, the best parts. This of, is good. This he, is good he stuff. Out, he comes out with uh, like several different forms of the jacket, like well with like these little half shirts, and then that little Mandy Chuck, Rose shirt on the like, midriff. <laughs> Tucker's looking at him. He's got the jacket. And he shakes his head. And he rips the sleeves off. And he yeah, yeah. That, that was one of the funnier points. Yeah, more of that. More of that. This Otis Mandy thing is the best thing going on SmackDown for the last month. Period. I don't I don't like anything else that's going on right now. Frankly, and the Daniel Bryan stuff is engaging to me. Yeah. Oh, man, you too. Man, you <laughs> Before we move on, I got to give a big old hug and shout out to Miss Esme for dropping 10 bucks in the oh, tip jar. Thank Esme. you. you sweetie, thank you very much. Thank you, you guys. Oh, that's awesome. Well, with that, Surrey and Dangerous, we're going to jump over and do our moment of positivity. <laughs> Which I kind of just did mine. It's Otis the mop. getting ready for his date. The mop. Let's mop it up. Uh, yeah. That was that. The moment at the end when he when he stands up at the dinner table and like it obviously flips over. Otis, Otis emoting is great. I don't want it to seem like I didn't enjoy this segment. I did. I just was like, ah, that could have been so much funnier. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's so much you can do with Otis. There's so much you can do with him. He is so innately, naturally funny that... They're, they could have really gone, I think, to the next level with this. And it just I was like, I just didn't get there for me. So, yeah. I, sorry. I don't want to seem like a negative ninny. Uh, my moment of positivity. Mm, it's, that's tough. It might be happening tonight. Uh, it might be happening tonight. Yeah, but it's got to be before the show. So, I can't. That's true. I, that's true. Uh, and I used them last time. I, I used Suzuki and Moxley last time for my, my moment of positivity. They can only make me so positive, Nick. They can only make me so positive <laughs> before I have to let it go for a second. I'm gonna have to go. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with uh, Bianca Belair's reactions to Charlotte. That whole Charlotte segment, actually. Okay. That just tickled me pink. Like I just, I, I loved the whole segment. Uh, the dynamics, the way that the NXT women established that NXT is almost like its own enclave. Um, I like how Charlotte sold herself as a big deal. Um, and again, Bian just Bianca's reactions had me literally giggling. <laughs> you know, like, like it, it, was, it was, yeah, it was killing me. So I'm going to have to go with Bianca Belair's selling of Charlotte dissing her for my, for my mop of the week. Fantastic. Well, those were two really good ones as well. But uh, yes, thank you again to Sean Clark for inspiring the moment of positivity every Indeed. single week here uh always want to shout you out for that one and i uh i am gonna come up with some kind of little jingle uh for it. you're the musician of the group come what? up with a jingle for us for the moment of positivity <laughs> uh all right I'll, I'll work on that yeah i'll work on that oh uh, well that's it for us guys oh no wait oh we're not done just yet we've got just enough time for our other news lightning round beep 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 all right, so quick ratings news. AEW uh, still holding strong, 928,000 viewers with a .36 in the 18 to 20, uh, 18 to 40, 19 to 39, 18 to 49 demo. What the heck is going on? Uh, okay. It was 11th for the night. NXT was 34th overall 
got murdered at .22 in the demo with 770,000 people watching it. AEW still beating them week on week, but not by that much. But but think about that, Nick. That's 160,000 people, excuse me, 1.6 million people watching wrestling on Wednesday nights. And that's just the ones that are watching it that night. So, you know, I... <sighs> You think we're about never going to see good. network numbers or like viewer ratings on the time or how much like I, I wish Nielsen with the rise of streaming would evolve a little bit. Like who's watching yeah. DVR versus who's watching live versus who's watching yeah. streaming versus who's watching pirated shit. You know, uh, who knows where all these viewers well, there are more than 900,000 people watching yes. AEW every week. And we find out those stats like a lot later, but they are still out there and it's it is yeah. a lot more people watching it than that. Um and in fact, like we, uh, next up, we're going to talk about WWE and their their Q4 financials, which came out and were fugly. Don't get me don't get me started. Well, I'm about to get you started because they were fugly, and uh, one of the things, like one of the only growth areas that they had was online viewing. Was in their like what was YouTube and social media was up, but everything else was down, 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 ten percent uh, year over year. In fact. Um, they did have a revenue growth. Seth Rollins uh, stuff on Twitter, the Hell in a Cell match, all of that stuff, it, and the whole cancel culture thing we went through in the last quarter of 2019. Cancel culture. Definitely affected that. It's a hashtag that goes around. You know, just all this stuff, cancel the network, all that stuff. Oh. <laughs> That's not cancel culture. That's like, that's it's cancel. It, okay, it's cancel culture, but not in the way that a lot of people use the term cancel <laughs> culture these days. Cancel culture is what got Jim Cornette off of NWA power. Um, okay, but overall, yeah, WWE was up eighteen uh, percent revenue growth, but that's because of their TV deals, lower revenue from live events, um, and uh, let's see, stock was trading at forty two thirty four. Which is down six sixty two from uh, from Wednesday. So, mm-hmm. my goodness. Uh, yeah, uh, 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 let's see what I'm else I got. Wait for it to bottom, and then I'm going to load up. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, that's not a bad idea. Um, so Maybe here's the, here's the other here's the other big nasty one. WWE Network subscriptions dropped to one point four two million, uh, and they're hoping that will increase to one point four seven in Q one. So they're they're saying, hey, when we do our Q one uh, report in a month or two. Uh, those numbers will be back up. Don't worry. Yes, it was a 10% precipitous drop, but don't worry. It'll be back. We'll see. Uh, that being said, their yearly revenue, their entire year revenue was up $960 million, which sure. is uh, a record high. Uh, operating income was $116.5 million. And uh, you'll have to explain this to me, businessman, but OI, OIBDA, you know what that I don't is? Know that one. I don't know that I don't one either. Know that one. Well, that was 180 million. Apparently, that's that one's up as well. Third straight year it has increased. Hmm. So, a lot of things up, but definitely seems like there's something rotten in Denmark with uh, the undercutting of their live shows, network subscriptions dropping off. Uh, oh. So one of the things. Oh, there's also an interesting note here. And and interpret this if you can. Cash flows generated by operating activities decreasing to 121.7 million, which is down from 186.7 million, quote, driven by unfavorable changes in working capital, primarily related to our fourth quarter event in Saudi Arabia and the payment of the prior year's accrued management incentive compensation. Mm. Gazoon type. I know what that means. Okay. 
So the big thing that came out this week was the the letting go of the the co-presidents. Yeah. And there was some more information that came out around their stock activity. Right. Yeah. In fact, and, they were dumping and, it off. <laughs> well, two years. Let's when you when you get to a certain level of executive and you're making a million dollars a year, at a certain point, you're going to get more money taxed and you're going to lose more money from taxes. So you find other ways to establish net worth. One of those ways that companies do that with corporate executives is uh, with called restricted stock units, and they will award them stock. The, the word award is, is important. So when they award them stock, that's included in their annual compensation. So numbers that they have to report. WWE, as a public company, has to report executive compensation structures to the SEC. So as part of that, there's salary plus other so what that spreadsheet that you posted in the group shows was basically they were being awarded tons of stock instead of being paid an exorbitant salary, and then as soon as it vested, as soon as they could, they were dumping it. All of their bonuses get our award, stock awards. And as soon as they started making those TV deals in 2018, which we reported on here at the end of you know, the fall of 2018, it, you could see in that spreadsheet tracking that they were just dumping, dumping, dumping. Every every time they got awarded, they they sold it. They turned it over immediately. By just the way, every one of them, millions inter- and millions of dollars. Worth yeah, of stuff. they were dumping a lot of stuff. A quick interjection: uh, OIBDA stands for Operating Income uh, Before Depreciation and Amortization. So yeah, so you count your you count your assets, yeah. capital assets as they they are net, worth net of the income. company, net income. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, so overall, couple of couple of big scary spots for WWE. Um, yeah. Bad week this week for them as a company. It was yeah, not, it was not pretty. Mm-mm. No, and so here's here's the other interesting thing. So we also of course had the the quarterly call by Vince McMahon where he explains what the hell's going on and tries to give a a, a, a roadmap of where they're heading business wise with the company. Um, the big news out of that is that Vince McMahon is saying that he is now considering, quote, selling some of their rights to the majors, meaning that they could be selling rights to show a lot of their bigger pay-per-views to, say, Disney, Fox, ESPN, etc. So it wouldn't be exclusive to the network. It could actually be something that they are going to show on on actual network TV or uh, for a pay service somewhere else. They could go back to a pay, some sort of pay model for their pay-per-views for some of their pay-per-views, they're basically looking at ways to make more money off their existing content uh, because they're seeing drop-offs in certain uh, places that are costing them money. And so they're basically they're looking at the money they just got from TV deals and saying, "Hey, yo, how do we get more of that TV money?" And uh, unfortunately, Nick, just from where I'm sitting, that seems to me to be a very short-term fix um, because the problem isn't with uh, the fact you know, with where you're getting your money streams from, it's what you're putting up there as content, and people being turned off by that more and more and more. The case it has been for the last five years, and with a steady decline in viewership and attendance. Yeah. Um, so if they now go to a bigger platform and kind of go all in on this and say, uh, well, this year WrestleMania will be shown on Fox, let's say, or you know, Disney will now be having it on their streaming service, or uh, whatever you know, or we're going to go to a model where you have to pay fifty dollars now, but only for the big four pay-per-views. Um, that ultimately, I think, is going to push people away 
more than it is bring people in. It may make WWE money in the short term signing the rights, but ultimately I think it will push people away. What, what are your thoughts on his idea of selling to the majors? I, I have two, really. Uh, one, if they treat it like the Super Bowl and they put WrestleMania on Fox or NBC or ESPN and they just show it publicly or even to cable subscribers, you have my attention. If, if, if those okay. companies are willing to fork over the money that is on the caliber of the Daytona 500 and the Super Bowl and they're right. going to want to put that kind of advertising stuff, Advertising dollars from that as big well. Big time, right? Yeah. They're going to be willing to write that check to WWE. And yeah, maybe it is an exclusive for like a month, three months, whatever that is that they get the right to do that. I wouldn't be mad at that because I, I can keep my network subscription and I can still watch it without paying 60 bucks. But you my don't but second, hold on, hold on. You don't think that having like people are getting the network to watch their pay-per-views and all of sure. a sudden the big four pay-per-views are free on Fox and they're getting money because of the advertising revenue the way that you do for Super Bowl or 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 the playoffs or whatever, right? Like doesn't doesn't that undercut the value of the network? Point number two, please, was that if this goes away and starts the, and they put the big four on TV because of the spectacle of it, I can't imagine Fox doesn't want WrestleMania. Right. Yeah. If they pay, if they paid that much just to have SmackDown on Fox on Friday nights, I can't imagine they're not at the in the, at the in the room just shaking stacks of hundred dollar bills at Vince McMahon and saying we want WrestleMania. I can't imagine. But what does that do for the network? I, I think it not nothing. It completely, it. I completely undoes the network. It completely undoes the whole value prop of ten dollars a month to get everything throughout the. It basically undoes the hundred and twenty dollar a year thing. The cost of two pay per views fifteen years ago for the entire year of pay per views. Now they could go back to doing something where they had the big four on the major networks, a Fox or NBC or ESPN, fine, and then they had maybe four or five pay-per-views instead of, I don't know, one every month. C cut down on the number of shows you're doing. Make us want to tune in more and make us want to invest more. And I, I would keep the network. Or maybe, you know, drive creative towards making these shows events as opposed to, you know, like right now they kind of haphazardly go through, go towards most of their pay-per-views because they're not, the, they don't have to push the pay-per-view model as hard because it's just, it's on the network. You're paying 10 bucks a month. You get the pay-per-views. They're yeah. not pushing as hard towards these big shows. And they need to get back to that mentality. And stop giving it away for free. Well, but, but the thing is, is that's if you, you've been giving it away for free now. You, you let the cat out of the bag. You, you've opened up Pandora's box. If you go back to charging everyone for every pay-per-view, you're going to see a huge drop-off of people wanting to watch them. Me included. Right. And you do if, a show on if it. They, God, I've been saying this for two years. If they would just introduce tiers and we thought they were going to with the, the network overhaul we thought they were going to introduce some new tiers and maybe that's still forthcoming they kind of did into they, the new there's, fiscal a, there's, year. A, there's a free tier and now a paid tier well sure but the something other than the 9.99 like if you're gonna do this also give people the option to keep the network and pay more to still have the content you know i give give us options give us choices don't just tell us it's binary one or zero. So that's my concern here is that they're not really thinking this through. Vince has dollar signs in his eyes. He's cashing out, right? He's trying to monetize everything he possibly can. They finally, again, after 20 years, the big deal that he did 
you know, with NBC 20 years ago for XFL. Now he's got XFL back, and it's right he's now, got it's a on Fox right now. Fox and USA deal, billion-dollar deals. Yeah. Where else can I cash out of this thing after yeah. 40 years? I don't know if he's trying I to cash out, but he's been trying to get mainstream acceptance for forever. And, yeah. you know, what is more mainstream acceptance than getting a, a, a huge seven, eight, nine-figure deal from a major network? You know, that's yeah. that would be the most legitimizing thing that could happen to him is WrestleMania being on the same level as the Daytona 500, the baseball playoffs, uh, the World Series, the Super Bowl, you know, whatever. Like, because it would go in that category then. But ultimately, that is just, you're, you're shooting the moon, and the support structure for what you've created now is not there. You're losing people because the creative on your product is driving people away. The absolute worst thing they could possibly do would be to take the pay-per-views off of the network and make them exclusive fifty to sixty dollar yep. things again. I've agreed. I'd be the worst. It would be the uh, it would be the end mm-hmm. of the network. Yeah, I, uh, I'd can't I'd cancel mine tomorrow if, wow. if that happened. Like, well, I, like I, I'm I'm not kidding. That all of its value is now gone. And I I we've talked about it before with AEW. Like I even question every time AEW does a pay per view. Like, am I really going to spend fifty six? The only reason you I have to because of, of this show. It's what our it's what our patrons pay us for. Right, it's, it's, it's a, it, they're giving us the money to buy these pay-per-views so we can tell them what happens. Uh, so yeah, so that's that's the major part of the financial report. Also saying that AEW is not a factor at all, has not changed any way that they operate, which of course is a, a lie. They totally have changed some things, but you know, overall, uh, that might be true. They they just slightly slightly changed the ship. Yeah, which way the ship is going. Um, their focus remains on storyline and resolutions, quote unquote. Vince McMahon. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So that is the news about the financial stuff. Let's move on to more exciting stuff. NXT UK was great this week. Trent Seven and Eddie Dennis. Yo, check out that match. They had a steel corners street fight. No padding on the turnbuckles. Uh, badass match. Check that out. Also, one of those. yeah, that's check it out. Also, Kaylee Ray told Tony Storm that if she loses an I Quit match against her, she can never challenge for the UK title again. Well. Nick's going to be keeping his eye on that because if Tony Storm loses, <laughs> uh, she might be coming over to NXT regular. Where's my tinfoil hat? <laughs> I don't even think you need it for this one, Nick. Right. I think this is this is tinfoil She's free. coming over. Uh, so check out NXT UK this week. Um, another report came out that Vince McMahon is mad at Matt Riddle. There's a report that came out, scuttlebutt rumors from backstage that McMahon felt like Matt Riddle was a quote outside guy and he didn't respect the hierarchy of WWE by tweeting out at Brock Lesnar and Goldberg and kind of basically going over everyone's head to try to create matches where there were none planned um which is funny because Goldberg was on TV on Smackdown this week and Matt Riddle tweeted out essentially saying um I'm not going to do what everyone says that I'm going to do which is that thing what is the thing that everyone says I'm going to do acting acting innocent um I'm just going to tell y'all right now. Freak out! I'm not going to freak out. Um, I'm going to tell y'all right now that yes, this is being reported by some big people, but take this with a hefty block of salt. If if Matt Riddle were in trouble, we would it would be a bigger deal than this. If Vince didn't like him, it'd be a bigger deal than this. Um, That's I could see there having been like maybe a discussion. I can see uh, someone telling him to like back off. But at the same time, um, they why would they have had cameras following Matt Riddle around to try and catch him and Brock interacting? Um, this feels to me like 
it may be a little there's there may be some legitimacy to something here but i wouldn't read into this and be like vince is furious at matt riddle they're gonna fire matt riddle oh my god until we hear a little bit more so yeah yeah stay keep keep your pants on uh there's not i don't think this is a big deal calm down yet yet um <laughs> let's see uh, so we found out what happened that allowed Edge, Santina Morella, RVD, Brian Cage, Rey Mysterio, Sheamus, and others to come back into the ring. It's actually a stem cell treatment process they had to fly to Columbia for because our, our healthcare system here in the U.S. is completely bass-ackwards. Um, but they went down there. Apparently it worked. Uh, Kurt Angle apparently also tried to do it, but I guess his neck was too far gone. And it didn't work for him as well as it worked for all those other guys. Um, and in case you're wondering about Tyson Kidd, uh, it wouldn't work for him either because of the nature of neck injury that he got um, and where his neck was injured. So everyone else was lucky in how their neck injuries and, and uh, spinal stenosis were happening. Um, they had, there was actually a break at the C1-C2 vertebrae with Tyson Kidd, so he's actually not eligible yeah. for this kind of treatment. Uh, it wouldn't actually work for him. So unfortunately, he will probably remain out. Uh, we had a big star walk out of NXT, Tainara Conti is no longer with NXT as of the middle of January. She walked out. Uh, it's being speculated it was because of financial reasons. Uh, we don't know how long her contract is for, but apparently she was not pleased with something with her with what was going on in NXT, and she's out uh, for now. Obviously, she's still under contract, so things could still be worked out. We may see her back, but as of right now, she is not coming in regularly to the Performance Center and seems to be on the outs with NXT. Um, what else we got here? Revival also are playing hardball with their contracts. Yes, they're now involved in an angle on SmackDown, but apparently they turned down $700,000 a year each and are holding out for more money. This uh, feels like deja vu. Didn't we do this last year? Yeah, and uh, Booker T actually went off on them in his podcast saying that, yo, if someone came to me and said $700,000 a year, I'd be doing backflip, backflips for him. But, uh, you know, times have changed, Book. I'm just going to throw that out there. And they know how much they're worth to other rival companies. All the people are saying they might not get that in AEW if they go over there. So, no. I, yeah, one wonders if their hardball might backfire on them or if they truly are worth as much as they're holding out for over in AEW. So, interesting. What's going on with the revival right now? Hmm. Um, in sad news, we had a death in the, in, the, in the wrestling world. The death of Buddy Murphy's first name. He's now just going by Murphy. Really? Murph Murphy. Another one bites the dust. Now no longer Buddy Murphy. He's just Murphy. Like it, Robocop. Was, they're already promoting. He and Seth Rollins are going to have a tag match. on. So we got Seth Rollins and Murphy on Monday Night Raw. So they killed Come on. The techno, they killed the Techno Viking music that we loved. And now they're taking his... Did they think it's just silly? Like, Buddy! It's Buddy! He's Australian. It works for him. That's hey, Buddy Murphy. Buddy Murphy. It works for him. Yeah. Murphy. Get out of here. That's, uh, uh, yeah, this one, this is another one that just pisses me off. And there's some that like, you know, ultimately I can wrap my head around. I'm like, all right, you know, Big E, instead of Big Andrade, e Langston, I can get behind. Seamus, Andrade, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent behind yet, right. uh, but I understand that's a mouthful to say Andrade Cien Almas. It's a mouthful. Yeah. Um, they gave Apollo Crews back his last name because it just flows off the tongue better. Buddy Murphy flows, flows off the tongue. Why would you screw that up? I don't know. This is not one I'm going to have an easy time uh, getting over. But until they start, unless they start calling Seth just Seth. It's Murphy and Seth. But I like Seth Rollins. Seth! It's just Seth! 
It's just Seth. It's the Mid- it. Monday Night Messiah. Seth. Seth. Right? All right. Uh, speaking of someone who got their name back, Mustafa Ali. No longer just Ali. Now he's back to Mustafa Ali because just Ali sounds dumb. Uh, Mustafa Ali. Like Murphy. Has not completely gone. Uh, he has been doing the dark match before SmackDown for six weeks in a row, beating guys. Every, he's winning every one. He's been beating guys. He beat uh, Curtis Axel the first week and then was alternating between Drew Gulak and Apollo Crews, beating one of them for the last five weeks. So, yeah, Mustafa Ali still kind of around doing something, you know, because reasons. Okay. Yep. Glad he got all those pushes. Uh, and right. then finally, in some good news, as we said at the top of the show, tonight, New Japan, new beginning, in Osaka, mm. Moxley versus Suzuki. It's finally happening. Mm. Nick, it's finally happening. I'm so excited. Oh, my God. So that is tonight. Check that out. It's going to be a 2 a.m. Eastern Sunday morning tonight, uh, 11 p.m. Pacific. So check out uh, New Japan, new beginning, in Osaka tonight. And that is the news, Nick. That is the news. Thank you. Thank you, sir, Ian Dangerous, and thank you guys for hanging out with us, especially those of you that have subscribed and hang out with us during the live stream right here at YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. Come on over and hang out in the chat with us as we live stream twice a week, every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern and every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back with a brand new stream for our patron mailbag episode that we do every Saturday where listeners send in their questions patrons send in their questions i should say that we answer and uh for everybody to hear to get in on some of that head over to patreon.com slash bwo sign up for which it's that five dollar tier is all you need you also get a copy of the show notes of every single episode that you can read along as you listen to the show if you'd like and at the ten dollar tier you get bonus episodes the big value tier where you get all of that and extra bonus episodes every single month we know you. We owe you January. It's coming. Nick Booking 2.0. I promise it's going to be worth the wait. Oh my God! I can't wait for you to see live Ian's oh, reactions Jesus. happening as we go through this stuff. And I'm the only one that's read any of this so far. And I am just <laughs> I giggle at every single one of them. It's like the it's like, Necronomicon. It will drive you mad if you read it. Klatu, Raja, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. Join us over on Facebook. Just search for Busted Wide Open. Like our page. Uh, send us a join request to get into the discussion group with the rest of the phenomenal ones. You also want to make sure you're in our Discord server. You can find that in the description below here on YouTube or pinned across all of our social media profiles. Oh, I think that's everything. Let's go do some patron mailbag. Yeah. Guys, my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God! Somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out. OrbitalJigsaw.com